uh, wherever you may be. My name is Sean. I'm Alex. And I'm Ian. Hi, Ian. And today Hi. we have one of our newest Coaster Kings members on our Coaster Kings radio podcast. Very excited. Ian, tell us something about yourself that like purely defines you. Um, oh, Lord, that's hard. Uh, I think I'm a California kid who prefers living in the Midwest. Okay. Ooh. Like I have no regrets leaving California I whatsoever. That. Okay, that, we're two for two on that. I feel that. So I'm not gonna lie. I would move back to California if I found like a decently priced place to live <laughs> and a decently job. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. If California wasn't perpetually on fire, then I wouldn't talk about. <laughs> like I love its proximity to Asia, even though it's still really not close to Asia. Yeah. I like that is true. You know, That's it's true. like kind of if you want to jump over the pond, it's a lot easier from I guess the West Coast. A yeah, nine-hour flight to Japan. Yeah. So and for for those who don't know, I am born and I was raised in Santa Clara. Like this is why Northern California is my bread and butter. Um and lots of childhood memories at many of the parks we're gonna be talking yeah. about today. So yeah. the topic is kind of a fun one because we all have such a different relationship with California. Um, I'm the latest to have been exposed to California, but in, of course you now California yeah. Coast King started there. Yeah. And I spent seven years Hopping around those parks, um, you but spent a lot of time in NorCal. Um, oh yeah, before we met, like you were. God, I was I was that there. nerd guy that was on the last Vortex train before it closed. I made a point of Aww. being the last rider with uh, some Coast Kings meetup. You know what? At least at least this color scheme was different. Um, I'm gonna remember that. Uh, I'm. You know how old I am? I remember Vortex He's when it was green. green. When it looked like Riddler, yeah. <laughs> That's how old I am. When all stand-ups in California had to be green. Well, all stand-up coasters looked like toxic waste. That was I know, the right? Both. So, yeah. so funny. Every single, yeah, of the three stand-up coasters we had in California, they all looked like hazards, like, on purpose. Like, that's the theme. That was, that was it. I mean, um, not a bad theme for stand-up coasters. <laughs> I also yeah. feel like that just screened Paramount. Very. You know, and even when they brought, well, I guess we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. We're, getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves, boys. Um, so, yeah, I guess so. Um, before we'll j- jump right into the topic, the topic is about Northern California, how the theme park landscape has changed over the years. Um, frequently, we discuss, you know, markets like Southern California, uh, China is a big thing for we're us. About Ohio a lot. Ohio, because, yeah. of course. Everyone loves and hates our opinions on mm-hmm. that. And so, um, this is a market that is really diverse, has quite the history. Fascinating. It's had almost any kind of theme park that isn't, you know, a studio's theme park. Yeah. And even that, in a way, right. it had. Yeah. So um, we're going to kind of talk about an underdog there. And all three <laughs> of us are quite familiar with the region, all with different kind of landscapes and different time periods. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited. Um, Absolutely. So we'll, before we jump in, we'll kind of discuss our relationships with the region. So, Alex, you were born... In yeah, Watsonville. Born, uh, yeah, in Watson. If you if you've been, you know where it if is. you're familiar with Northern California, if you if you've been there and you you know the cities, you know where Watsonville, California is. That's where I was born, Santa Cruz County. Um, you know, a pretty short drive to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Um, I, I jokingly, but not really jokingly, say that the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk is like our our family crest. <laughs> that is, um. I, that's pretty much why I exist today. My parents met at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk as ride operators in the summer oh. of 1980, um, when they were 19. And so my parents, it's very close to their heart. My parents have always loved roller coasters. Um, we lived in that region. We also lived in Scotts Valley for four years, if you're familiar mm. with 
the Santa Cruz area, Scotts Valley, is just between Santa Cruz proper and um, the Santa Cruz Mountains, like Highway 17. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, so I lived there. And that was those were my formative years. We, I lived there from 1997 to 2001 before moving to Nashville uh, and making my way out east where I would eventually Absolutely. come to settle in Florida. Um, but yeah, so that region's very close to my heart. Some of my earliest memories, some of my most memorable memories, like just all, all sorts of stuff. My All my elementary school years um, can be described in the context of, of routine visits to the boardwalk and Great America, and uh, Marine World. Marine and World? Marine World. Marine World. <laughs> <laughs> I still call it that. Uh, it's still Marine World. Yeah. It's still Marine World in, in my mind as well. I had to rem- I had to train my You know what? After all these years, the freeway exit signs have never been changed. Still it's Marine still World. Marine World. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> truth, truth. And it's pronounced M. It's like I'm on the 70. I'm like, am I close? No, I'm only close to Marine World. Marine World. Marine World. And Ian, how about you? Oh, so I was born um, in San Jose, but I have lived in Santa. I lived in Santa Clara from when I was born until I went to college when I was seventeen um, in Kentucky. Um, so I and I grew up in Santa Clara. My house growing up was like you had to maybe take you would one left turn, one right turn, and you would end up at Great America. Mm-hmm. Like I was that close. It was like yeah. 10, 15 minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, So Great America, like, for me, it was came later in my life. I didn't grow up with theme parks. My parents, that wasn't a big part of their, their, like, I don't know, hobbies or what they like to do or their interests. Um, But I do remember my eighth grade year, we did a trip to the boardwalk. Like, I feel like every junior high school did in the the region, a trip to the boardwalk um, and fell in love with the Giant Dipper, fell in love with roller coasters. I had started liking roller coasters at Disneyland. And so... The summer of my freshman year, my best friend in high school, Wesley, shout out to Wesley if you're out there. I feel like we haven't talked in a long Hi, time. Wesley. <laughs> Hi, Wesley. We, would, we got season passes to Great America, and we probably went, I would say, like, every, almost every, like, day. Like, every other day, at least once or twice a week. So I got to know Great America really, really well. Went to Marine World um, on my 16th birthday um, for the first time, which is super cute. Um, and so... So that's my relationship. It was definitely like my teenage high school years, lots of time in Great America, and um, very much near and dear to my heart. Um, and also as an Arrow fanboy, when I found out that Arrow was located in Mountain View, like my little, like my mind was exploded, yeah. and I, was, I felt connected to the roller coasters in a big way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that's my, that's my attachment to the region. Um, I haven't visited in a long time, so it's been a while. What was the last back. time you went to last any of the Last time room? was um, winter of 2018. Okay, it's okay. not too when bad. Railblazer, when Railblazer was brand new. That's pretty that's comparable. That winter. So we haven't been back to NorCal since. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. our last trip to Great America was before was, his, because yeah. we went opening, or the day before opening, we yeah. went to pass all the previews of uh, Railblazer. Yeah, we just we drove up there yeah. for a day. It was your birthday. It was a birthday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun. Yeah, no, so that was the last time I was there, um, was for was, was Winterfest with Railblazer. Okay. I do love was, Winterfest. Was mm-hmm. It's super cute with the carousel. Anyways, yeah. so that's my relationship. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so my relationship came a little later. Um, I kind of associate NorCal with my first, like, solo or, you know, adult, no parents involved road trips <laughs> yeah. sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So SoCal was kind of when I really started getting into theme parks. Europe, it was, you know, my family wasn't a big theme park family, so it was like, move for Germany once in a while. Uh, was kind mm-hmm. of how that went. Um, but then I really started getting obsessed 
when I went on vacation to the U.S. and I went to Magic Mountain once when Tatsu was new, and I was like, mm-hmm. I have to go. And then when we moved to Valencia, in a perfect spot for a little coast and northern training, um, <laughs> you know, I would spend a lot of time in Magic Mountain. And then yeah, Disneyland. You, wasn't it between a few places that you could have moved in California? And you, <sighs> yeah, so I had, to, I, had, I had the choice <laughs> of where we were going to move because of schools. And I acted like the best schools were definitely in Santa Clarita. Even though Thousand Oaks are really good schools too, yeah. but obviously my, my my mind was completely somewhere else, and I'm sure my parents. We're gonna live in Thousand Oaks. That was an option. Well, Thousand Oaks is nice. We don't you like roller coasters. Been neighbors with the Kardashians. Yeah, like I'm yeah, trying right. to leave Magic Mountain. That's okay. That's fair. See, the Kardashians drive their cars through Magic Mountain, so it's still cool. Um, <laughs> which you can do that too yeah. on Holiday in the Park. We just got an email about it. Okay. Um, someone. But yeah, so uh, I guess starting around like 2014, I went to Great America for the first time. Um, I didn't like it as much, but we'll get into that. And then mm-hmm. I started going a lot. Like, we had six, five season passes. Discovery Kingdom really started booming. Mm-hmm. I feel like the golden years were really when, like, yeah. just after Superman, you know? Right. So yeah, we right, were going right. a lot. Um, there was a lot of development. The shows were cool. And so, uh, yeah, I kind of associate that with my first solo road trip, starting Coaster Kings, or California Coaster Kings, as it started. Um, that's kind of my association. Mine is a lot more recent, I think, than you guys. But It's funny, because, like, I, I hadn't been to Great America in... Uh, well over 10 years and then I went back in 2014 mm. with Ace at June of 2014 so that was like everything was the same but different it yeah. was like in a yeah. time a time warp that's, that's, I was that's like, a great oh, way to describe wow. a great America everything's the same but different. same but different <laughs> but different it's very true it's very very true it's interesting how like it has had so many changes but a lot of those haven't really changed a lot of the essence in yeah. ways that I would uh, that other parks have so it's yeah. interesting um, yeah. So um, we'll dive into our first topic. This episode will be a little more structured than usual. Sometimes we just ramble on. We yeah. have like a list, but this yeah, time we have true. actual topics. Um, the first topic is very appropriate. It is what was Northern California like before California's Great America? And uh, before we dive into that, this does coincide with an awesome article that will launch the time this podcast launches. Mm-hmm. Um, so check out a detailed version of some of the background of these Northern California Absolutely. parks. Um, after listening to the podcast. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll start with that topic. Uh, Ian can take this one away. I will, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting, and this is my family's background. It's really interesting. My dad was a Navy rat. Um, and so my parents moved before, to California before I was born, but after they were married. But when my dad was a kid, he actually lived in San Francisco because his dad was a naval officer. And so in the 60s, so he remembers... Um, they used to give out certificates for like free rides and stuff at Playland in the park and then frontier village. Um, and those were the two kind of parks of the sixties. Um, but the reality was Playland of the park has a really long history, but not Playland of the park, sorry, Playland of the beach has a really long history in San Francisco is one of the classic seaside amusement parks. Um, but like many other parks of the era by the sixties, yeah. It had declined. Almost all the major roller coasters were gone. Yeah. I think that I did some research and they had an ENF Miler giant coaster, which was like the world's largest portable coaster or something I know exactly like that. What you're talking about. There's yes, they had Arizona. one of those. And yes, Schnepp yes. Farms. Yeah. Uh, the one that was yes. so expensive. Oh, no, it yeah. wasn't running, I think. We haven't it was been like there seasonal. Yet, but we did yeah. email their management team and they're like coaster kings whenever you're ready we're ready we'll open it for you well that's fun yeah it's i mean miler coasters are awesome but that looks like what they had kind of been reduced to so it's definitely like a like that like 1960s like the kind of death of amusement parks like playland at the beach no not at all not at all that can 
Now, would you say that um, Disneyland really taking off and kind of creating a new sort of standard um, that that really kind of pushed over some of these NorCal parks? Because even though they're still quite quite a drive away, do you think it's related at all? Um, I would say I think that the biggest thing is Playland was on the decline beforehand, and it definitely was the victim of the kind of urban renewal movement of the 50s and 60s. They saw it as more of a blight, and they wanted to, a lot of people in the city wanted to kind of clean it up. Um, and so I think that that was, I think that had more to do with it. I mean, cause after all Santa Cruz was able to survive and thrive for most of this as definitely well. benefited from the Disneyland boom. Walt Disney went there and he loved it. And he did. Absolutely. I'll never forget reading about his, uh, his visit and he riding, riding the autorama, which was the, the original arrow right. uh, antique car ride. And he was like, Oh my God, this is the solution to the Autopia problem, which was that Autopia was a mess because it was just cars and guardrails and they were beating themselves up. And he was like, oh, a center guardrail for Autopia. Like, this exists. Arrow can do this for our Autopia ride and fix it. And, you know, so, yeah, long short of it. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. And I think a big thing, and then and then a big piece of the, the, the boom came from Disneyland comes with Frontier Village in 1961. Mm-hmm. Um, so Frontier Village was developed by um, people who went to Disneyland, liked it, and wanted to bring it to NorCal. Like I think a lot of parks were yeah. in the early 60s, it's like funny, the like first regional Texas, boom. It's yeah. funny you mention that because right. I just Astral pulled it up. World. Totally. And um, Frontier Village just screams Frontier Land to me. Like yeah. even the Enders, I'm like, am I yeah. Disneyland? Like, am I looking at it? was it, legitimately you know, a copy. Which yeah. not, not a bad copy, but it was it was an intentional copy. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that regional, that kind of early regional park boom, you had Frontier Village, um, which from all accounts was incredibly charming um, and incredibly well done. Lots yeah. of original arrow rides and original antique arrow, like, sorry, arrow antique cars, yeah. um, cute little mine rides. So that was really well done. So that was mm-hmm. kind of the landscape. And then you also, of course, have Marine World in its original location, kind of yes. doing the sea park thing as yep. well, um, but not really doing the coaster. Mm-hmm. No one was doing the coaster the thing. World and then the old Africa USA. Because um, the original Marine World was definitely kind of um, yeah, coinciding with like San Diego's, you know, right. interest in it. It right. became yeah. this, this rapid fascination LA yeah. had. Um, yeah, it was, it was land the, the sea just, world of the north. Yeah. Uh, a spillover, I guess, of the fascination with marine Absolutely. parks, no pun intended. And then Africa, think, USA, sorry. joined forces. No, go for it. No, go for it. I was going to say, what's interesting, though, is that the, the co- if since we're Coaster Kings, like, the coaster landscape was just kind of, like, just a standstill. There was no yeah. new coaster since Giant Dipper. Um, nothing stagnant. challenged that. It was very static. I mean, I guess that was all the 60s. We kind of forget how dark that was in yeah. terms of roller coaster construction before... Um, I mean, really, before the racer was built in yeah. seven in the seventies, like yeah. there wasn't large scale roller coaster construction. There are definitely pockets in the timeline of coasters, just in general, you know, from the inception to like the most modern roller coasters, where there's just pockets where like different kinds of attractions really take off. Mm-hmm. There's times right. where flat rides were just like the theme park market in like the eighties, like you know, when water rides were introduced, you know, like the rapid ride when that was a thing theme park contraptions that were not roller coasters. It's really funny when sometimes right. the interest right. shifts away yeah. from roller coasters. But the 70s and the 90s were all about coasters. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And so I think that the 60s really was about theming. Like mm-hmm. Disney comes in, Disney introduces ultra themed experience, yeah. which Sean, you and I have discussed the fact that that was largely imported from Europe. So mm-hmm. don't give Disney too much credit. Yeah. I know. But, we get into these arguments uh, with people. Don't you love when we people do. are like, wow, Efteling is the Dutch Disneyland. Or like, like, no, wrong. Disneyland no, no. is the American Efteling. It's funny. It was literally what our conversation get was about. Correct. Because like, I was so bothered that people were commenting that. Yeah. Yeah. A quick like, backstory. No, no. Alex and I got matched. Well, not matching that tattoos but tattoos at the same time mine was efteling and his was disneyland and people were commenting all over that post like oh my god you know disneyland so so great efteling you know and then people were making the conclusion efteling was like a copy or like the dutch disneyland and i was like answer to disneyland step back no 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 (laughs) take a step back absolutely so i think the hell up So the landscape before Great America is built, which is interesting because Great America is rather late in terms of the regional park boom, and we'll get to that next, but it was really just Frontier Village, which was a smaller scale themed experience. A little family park. Not to mention, so you spoke of Scotts Valley. I always forget about Santa's Village was in Scotts Valley, too. Mm -hmm. There was another small scale That was literally across the street um, from our Scotts Valley house. It was right on the, like, my parents were like, you know, it's... If Santa's Village was still open, you would be able to see it <laughs> from our house. And, yeah, and it's, it was no longer with us. So yeah. Scott, that those kind of small-scale Disneyland-inspired, and then you have the boardwalk mm-hmm. holding it steady. Yeah. The, the loss, loss of, of Playland is pretty significant, yeah, like, like San Francisco that. not being having a major amusement park yeah. for one of the largest cities in the country. Um is pretty significant, but yeah. it, by the, by but the set, was, early 70s, it was that gone. That opened the door for the boardwalk to... to manifest and and really hold its own against great america once great america absolutely the boardwalk survived because it had its own niche and really even though we had the two parks competing with each other they there was enough people who wanted both and went to both for different reasons or preferred well boardwalk one thing i do notice especially in the bay area like when you look at it when you don't live there or you don't travel there often mm-hmm. you may think like wow all these parks are closed they share the same demographic but that's really no. not true like oh, the bay mm-hmm. does not share mm-hmm. demographic no. great america people do and not go to scurvy kingdom are not the same totally and, different you know same same with yeah so that's something that i think especially with the topic of yeah. kind of talking about these parks not cannibalizing each other mm-hmm. while yet kind of competing is that people have to understand that going forward in the episode that the demographic does not necessarily uh, yeah, when bleed. I was a little boy people were amazed that like we had great america passes they're like wow you drive the seven to Great America, like, Absolutely. on purpose. Well, that's also, like, like the most dangerous road yeah, in NorCal, it's, it's but, yeah. It's one of the most deadly highways. It's, I mean, it's stunning. Yes. It's gorgeous. But you will drive off a cliff marveling at its majesty. Remember my you first surely time would. driving there was in the dark, and I was like, damn. Did you just die? Like, could you believe? No, I didn't die. I'm I don't here, think I, but, yeah. yeah. You're still here. Lord. 17, though. 17, and uh, that's some high school and, like, co- like, like college summer memories, yeah. driving 17 with friends to <laughs> yeah. go get Marion's and go on the Giant Dipper. Yeah. Um, classic Santa Cruz. But I do oh, think yeah. that's true. The demographics are different. Like, we talk a little bit about how, like, it's not like Geauga Lake and Cedar Point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's an Ohio example. Like, yeah. those literally are the same markets. Yeah, whereas cannibalizing each other. don't realize how many people live in San Jose. Incorrect. Correct. God, I'm like, excited. We need to do San an episode Jose. now we bring it up yeah. about, like, the Ohio cannibalism. Yeah. When there was three players. Yeah. I'm so, I'd be down. It's, I think it's a fascinating yeah, period. If, if you want to talk about Geauga Lake, you have to talk about how Kenny would ate up Westview Park and how yep. Cedar Point ate up like Boblo Island and some other yep. stuff yeah. and like I, I, like Detroit's I'm making entire, notes right now please hold um, make like, a note yeah, but Cedar I do Point think that it's, it's not Edgewater something Park you can compare and Boblo Island and all of these other and that Jogger Lake was just 
like the final pawn in the chess game. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But it's not like like I said, the, the bottom line is that it's not comparable. Like the population of the Bay Area is just so large and so diverse. There was enough loving um, to go around. There surely was. That's why it was not a uh, it, it was not a risk when Marriott moved in to do the part. You know, there. we were hanging out with um, one of the PR managers of Great America that's gone now. Yeah. Um, his name was Ross, if I'm mistaken. And um, he mentioned to us like a lot of people kind of associate us, you know, in the same market or associate us with. Even San Francisco, but he's like, we're like in San Jose we County, San which Jose. is the largest county in the area. Yeah. We don't necessarily. Santa Clara County, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, whatever. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, anyways, he said he drew mostly from San Jose, not from San Francisco, even though right. a lot of yeah. people, right. even that work within Cedar Fair as a whole, do sometimes think that. I feel so. like growing I can count on one hand how many times we went to San Francisco when I was a child, even though. Geographically, we were so close. I'm just always annoyed by the traffic. Right. But yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just California. And, thing. I, and, a lot of t- and, and I say that we would drive through San Francisco to go to Sonoma to visit my mm-hmm. mom's best friend from high school, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't about being in San Francisco. We would we would drive by no. the painted ladies' houses and you know just kind of enjoy the Golden Gate Bridge on our way up there. But it was never about like being in San Francisco. It was just incidental. Which is funny. It is funny, but that is the truth about growing up there. And anyone who's listening um, who grew up in the area can attest to that, I'm sure. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. very, um, like like we said, regionally kind of divided and geographically diverse as well area. Mm -hmm. So it has its own quirks, which we'll get into when we talk about whether or not these parks, how successful they've been and why they haven't been successful as well. Let's see. Where? Okay. Oh, okay. So before we move on to, like, Great America. One thing I have to mention about Frontier Village is that my father went there. I mean, my parents went to all of these little NorCal parks. They're very active in, like, there is this Facebook group of, like, historic Northern California parks that my parents Mm -hmm. would, like, send me little things that they saw in this group. Like, there's a collector in Santa Cruz that has a majority of the Aero um, cars from Mm -hmm. the Frontier Village Aero car ride. Um... The Apache Thunder is the name of the little mine train coaster that was there. According to the roller coaster database, it is the original Mac Blower Ensign. Right. Isn't that wild? And my father wrote it's it. Wild. God, it's like nowhere, nowhere near manufacturing. No, That's it, crazy. No. <laughs> Imagine being next to Arrow, <laughs> but and then I getting it back. It was built in, when was it built? 1976? <laughs> like, it was built to coincide with Great America. With Great America. Like, they were like, yeah, yeah they, they were like, were if like, we okay, can open time this. Time to bust out the big guns. Busting out of my Mac uh, production model Mac Blower. It warms my heart. I love seeing little parks like preemptively Counter Strike. Yeah. something that's like big for them, but like they're building a whole regional park then, right well, next and to it. Right. So Boardwalk <laughs> did that too. With at the time was a very controversial move, but now is one of the most priceless attractions there. Absolutely. Just loggers run. Well, they did, they did it again when Gold Striker came, yeah. and they were like undertow. Undertow. It's very right. interesting that market, but I guess we'll yeah. we'll dive into that. Yeah. Um, what else? Well, about Arrow. Um, yeah. Oh, yes. Arrow Mountain. Okay, so uh, another fun story from my parents. Uh, my dad and my mom would go on dates to the drive-in movie theater. To the Arrow plant? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the type of date I want to go the on. Air, the movie theater in Mountain View, the drive-in theater. I mean, my dad went through there all through high school. He was a freshman in high school. Actually, I think he was in eighth grade in 1975. Um he has distinct recollection of seeing uh, the original Aero Corkscrew um, intact and even operating at the Aero plant because mm-hmm. it was adjacent to 
the drive-in theater that he always went to. And he did. One day he asked me, just like out of the blue, he was like, son, was there just a, just a roller coaster behind that movie theater that I would, and I'm like, yeah, that was the, the, was the, the airplane. He's like, is that coaster still around? That was there? Like, did they sell that? And I'm like, how was it Knott's Berry Farm? And now it's in Silverwood. It's still open. Like, you could still ride that. It's, it's funny. It's yeah. so much better than some of the newer ones. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, that coaster that you saw there when you were in the eighth grade <laughs> behind the movie theater is still open. Right. <laughs> you know, it's become a bucket list thing for me to ride roller coaster prototype or test yeah. tracks on, like, the manufacturing ground. Like, see yeah. all these Vacoma videos of them testing Fly on the on the parking lot or yeah. testing right. the, right. you know, right. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I'm like, I want to I wanna do that. Wanna That's a credit yeah. I want to count. Or, like, the Axis Absolutely. thing that they have at SNS. Oh, yeah, the oh, yeah. Axis thing, yeah. yeah. Um, For sure. But, yeah, and then also, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Playland at San I. I Playland, not at the beach, which was the little museum that used to be up there mm-hmm. with all of the different artifacts. Unfortunately, they're closed now. Oh, I thought they were open pretty recently. St- well, I guess yeah, they opened they the last couple years. A couple years ago, uh, okay. and they had an estate sale, no. so like they sold off all their stuff to private collectors. But like the fascination tables from the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk mm. were rescued and were in the hands of Playland, not at the beach, and they're now have been passed to a private collector. So all of those artifacts and stuff that were there. It was a neat concept, like a museum dedicated to amusement parks. It, right. I think it was just maybe didn't have enough of an audience, but I'm just glad that like everything that they had is still being preserved because of all of the private collectors who are just like, yes, I would like 12 fascination tables like in my living room. Like, <laughs> I would like one of them, but I can only fit like half yeah. one in here. I love um, fascination. Right. It's the ultimate blue-haired old lady game and it I, truly is i can't get enough of it you know some people go to <laughs> vegas to gamble i go yeah. to fascination we go to there. indiana beach and play fascination, <laughs> fascination. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love Kennel it holes. i love it so much um but yeah i say we yeah. dive into great america unless we've got anything else it. to add yeah all right this is Let's super exciting because i love right. the spark secretly do you it's yeah not a secret anymore it's not a secret anymore <laughs> told everyone <laughs> you love great america so let's talk like about Great America in like the time frame where it's built, which mm-hmm. is it opens in 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about the regional park boom, mm-hmm. um, and so this is kind of late, right? Well, the yeah. regional park boom starts with um, Six I like Flags. To, I like to think it lasted precisely from 1961 with Six Flags Over Texas to mm-hmm. 1981 with Canada's Wonderland. I think that makes perfect sense. It's a great, great time frame. So if we think about it like that, this is kind of late on the later end. Yeah. And the crazy thing is Marriott deciding to build at the time three, three parks. identical parks. Yeah. Um, that would reach all of the country because the original par- other park was going to be what was it in Maryland? Oh yeah, it was Baltimore. Yeah. It was gonna be. It was gonna be in Virginia. It was gonna be. I want to say it was close to where like they ended up like where Washington Dulles was. Because there was a lot of development over there. And they were like, oh, we've got this mm-hmm. giant international airport. Like, Right, right. Uh, we want to we want to represent the nation's capital and, like, one of the most historic nation – or one of the most historic states in the nation with this – It's funny because I feel America. like the name almost screams that region. Yeah. Like, everything is like, oh, America, yeah. great America. The irony that the, <laughs> the, irony that, that park didn't actually didn't happen. Built was the one that made the most sense regionally. Right. Um, being where a lot of the nation's history – took place that this park would focus on not to mention so the whole i mean the whole thing was meant to be one bicentennial right so like it was this whole thing um and so marriott i mean this is the question i always have and i i mean i think i can answer it myself but 
when they built these parks, were they among the best of the best in the original design in terms of the regional parks in the U.S.? How do you think they landed in terms of the original layout? So I personally, I'm going to jump in first with this one because I think about it a lot. And uh, the first parallel I always draw is to the original Magic Mountain development. The original mm-hmm. Magic Mountain development was like white, almost like Victorian, I call it. Uh, you know, the infrastructure was very cohesive. And the layout um, for Magic Mountain wasn't necessarily the best because of the hill. But I think mm-hmm. that was kind of like what started the clean aesthetic aspect of things. So we started seeing regional parks being built everywhere. And I kind of like to believe that the, it all led up almost to like the Great America Parks, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it was like the layout made sense, the balance of attractions made sense, the aesthetic was mm-hmm. cohesive. I almost look at it as like the golden age of the classic American theme park. Mm-hmm. It does help Absolutely. that it's like really themed to Great America, you know? But um, <laughs> so I, I definitely think that Marriott almost observed the industry and coming right. in from like a hostility aspect and, you know, having working with the company personally, uh, we still talk about these developments on our company side all the time, believe it or not, <laughs> because it is still something that I guess didn't quite work out in the long run for Marriott, but it's something that they really took pride in as like a new avenue. Mm-hmm. And I think they really observed what the U.S. theme park market was doing, and they collectively decided to kind of create like a, a master plan, like a perfect theme park that they could clone, which is what they eventually really went with. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I think mm-hmm. they got it just right. Yeah, I would agree. That's, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I now that I've been, I mean, I'm out of the region, and obviously, even when I was living in California, I knew Great America wasn't the best park ever. But I think that it, at the time, you think about what they were doing that other parks were all already having to do, adding an extra arrow flume because they were so popular, which mm-hmm. multiple parks had to add an extra flume. They built that into the plan. They yeah. built two flumes right into the plan. Um, they had a looper and they had a family sit down right away. You know what I mean? Like mm. they didn't have to bridge that gap. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that positioned them quite strongly um, in the market. And I think that the bones of the layout, like the circular layout still works really well for expansion too. Yeah. And I think one thing that they did really smart kind of from an infrastructural um, standpoint is that they focused the center of the park for a lot of the backstage and you may think, mm-hmm. like, wow, that's so weird because it's not accessible as easily during the daytime. But you got to think about it. When you want to expand, most parks run into the problem, like, almost a few years in where their expansions have to be pushed yes. outward. But then there's already, like, other infrastructure there, right, that relates to the park's operation that a guest doesn't see. And Great America worked with, like, the really the large circle. They expanded the park size by building backstage areas in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, by doing so, whenever they were pushing out with new attractions or with attractions that were opening roster, it wasn't necessarily overlooking backstage areas. It wasn't necessarily something that was an eyesore. And I think that the park doesn't really get any recognition for it. But the more we travel, the less I see it. And I, I think it was actually a revolutionary approach. Yeah. Well, it was almost like a poor man's version of the Disney World tunnels. You know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, it totally, was like yeah. the, the, that central. What is it called? I forget. There's a term for it, and I'm blanking on. But that central path that runs through great, the, both the parks is really brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, sorry. I think of the ahead. parks as like the Great America Parks as being like the donut, where <laughs> they have this middle part that is is all backstage. It's all guts, and you're like surrounded by it. Remember, as a kid, kind of thinking it was odd that like the whole park was this big loop, and you could be like at Invertigo and be geographically very close to action theater, but you actually were not very close mm-hmm. in terms of accessibility. Yeah, you know, it was always funny standing on the on the Invertigo plot and then, like, seeing this ship, like, the inverting ship, and you're like, well, right. it's going to wow, take me 20 so minutes to get there. To this ride, <laughs> we're 
Um, but at the same time, that definitely helped with the size, the feel of the park, feeling yeah. like it's so massive. But really, the park's um, overall, mm-hmm. um, God, acreage, I guess, really wasn't, it's really, we're, the parks we're, we're aren't that large, but size. I guess it all kind of comes mm-hmm. down to, to the layout. I think Ian is right. Like, they, these parks came out swinging. Like, they right. opened, on opening day, they were ready for enormous masses. The original concept called for the wizard and for the turn of the century with Grease Lightning following up either the second year immediately, or the right? First they were ready the for it. Year, but they were always it was always part of the original concept. They had major high capacity rides from Schwarzkopf and from mm-hmm. Huss. And I think the timing couldn't be better because it was definitely through the early seventies that we really saw the modern theme park market just take off when it mm-hmm. came to like innovation and rides and roller coasters. And by timing it for the bicentennial, I guess really. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of had those first few years that, that instead of having to keep expanding every year because only new came out, right. they had that time to kind of collectively put all that together and it timed it well with the arrow looper. Well, I guess there wasn't a looper yet. Just like the, the concept of what a, like, to, to go back to like Magic Mountain's a great example of like how much building a new park looked like, what it looked like and how it changed from the mm-hmm. early 70s to the mid 70s. Magic Mountain was fascinated with like the idea of, like, transportation rides, right. which in, ter- in turn was butted off of, like, the 1967 remodel of Tomorrowland and how, like, right. the future was transportation and Magic Mountain was all about interesting ways. What? I know. I just tend to find it funny because, like, America has such a fascination <laughs> yeah. with transportation, but, but now Listen, you, can't, yeah. you can't even take a trade between yeah. the cities. Like. Public transportation <laughs> is still fascinating to us. Like, yeah. it just, it's oh, always yeah, a novelty. It. Anyway, was like, wow, the people mover is, like, such a fascinating concept. And then, like, 50 years later, it still kind of is. Cause it, like, <laughs> Everyone's like, wow, we, <laughs> we people mover. I'm like, yeah, people take bullet trains yeah. to Beijing and Shanghai, but okay. Like. <laughs> anyway, so Great America's concept had gone from, like, going from parks like Magic Mountain where they're, like, they had a roller coaster and a log flume and then lots and lots of, like, gentle, scenic attractions. Great America had the train. They opened with a train, and that was more more or less for aesthetic purposes. No, was the Skyride not an opening attraction? Oh, yeah, they did open with the Skyride. No, it was. But then it it wasn't really as much about covering distances as much as it was about just, like, these were cool rides to have. Because right, it, it was the greatest hits. Like yeah. every park had a train, yeah, every park has a sky ride. To, we're going to include it. It wasn't like Magic Mountain, where like the the transportation rides were kind of part of what made the park work because the tra- the, the terrain was pretty intense. Like getting to the top of Samurai Summit, whereas Great America, it was like, well, we're building a train ride and a sky ride because these are fun, and we want to be able to like <laughs> see the park from these points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, they had so much, they clearly had a lot of fun, like threading, uh, the train through the whole, uh, yes, turn of yeah. the century plot and like the sky ride, like hovering right directly over the center of the donut so that you wouldn't miss anything. Cause you couldn't look directly down below you in the right. sky bucket, but you could look to the sides. Well, that's, I think the cool thing and about, you would never know that there was guts of park operation right. directly beneath you. But I think that's the coolest so part about <laughs> these parks being one of the first, like, full-size regional parks. You can mm-hmm. consider Magic Mountain one of them, but again, no, those, those five years yeah. did make a difference, right? And I think that's one of the funniest things about these parks being um, the first full-size regional park is that that complete product was there. And, like, there was that, I don't know, I feel like this was before every themed area had to be different. 
you know that's kind of how it is now like we focus so much on theming but that was mm-hmm. kind of like that age where the whole park looked the same it was still like it was yeah. fabulous you Magic know Mountain and that's going for like a whole vibe for the right. whole place and yeah but sort of great america well great america had their very distinct neighborhoods they had Darius, yeah. yankee harbor they had uh, New Orleans Square, the, the county fair. Yukon Territory. Yeah, Yukon Territory, Hometown Square, and, mm-hmm. and the Entrance Plaza. They were all little neighborhoods that represented, um, you know, different environs for the United States. And then, of course, there was the Southwest Territory, which was always planned for California's yep. Great America. Six Flags Great America did eventually actually build it, but not until way later. Absolutely. Um, and that was, but it was, it was always very cohesive. And frankly, the, those those themes at, at the Santa Clara Park are, are not exactly really both parks are, are pretty muddled. They've, yeah, and it's point. it's kind of been sad um, losing it. I always thought, especially like we'll get to it. The log plumes being lost, I yeah. think, is a big tragedy in the yeah. Santa Clara Park. Um, but I, I do want to mention, I think we we sleep on the fact that turn of the century was the first custom looper. Yeah, like the first, the first arrow custom, custom looper was custom turn of the century. Looper. Um, and like putting airtime hills on like a looping coaster mm-hmm. was like every bonkers. time I look at original pictures, I'm like, that those shoulders must have been bleeding on the way out. Oh, yeah, like, my father wrote it over It looks here. like brutal, I'm but sure. so good. His, his aunt, my great aunt Shirley, lived in the sub like the neighborhood that backed up to the park, so he mm-hmm. could walk to Great America. He would go to her house after school and drop off his stuff and then walk to Great America. and we would ride the demon when I was a little boy, and he's like, "This roller coaster used to be called the Turn of the Century, and it was yellow mm-hmm. and it had airtime hills where the loops are." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Dad, you're full of crap! Like, why would you lie to <laughs> he me?" He was not. That's, he that's, was that not. Is, I'm like, "That is such a far-fetched idea." But then I guess when I ride um, the corkscrew at Cedar Point, I am reminded of where yeah. the headspace was when it was time to design yes. a custom arrow looper. <laughs> I was like, "So, like the vertical loop, or like this, this like." little drop into an airtime hill and then a vertical loop doesn't sound as crazy when you think about what they did for the great america parks i just think my favorite part about the uh, turn of century coasters is that they have a mid-course like you have the lift hill yeah and then like yeah like 20 seconds later there's the (laughs) mid-course and i think arrow was always really optimistic about how their throughput would be i know and then but then i already noticed with corkscrew that they didn't even put it in they were like you know what there was space for it it was definitely an idea and they decided but they were like what what is even the point you know you can't even have a lift on the lift is so slow. You could even have a train on top of the lift if you just like, backed it immediately. And even like turn of the century had the mid course, and then like after the corkscrews and like that little two seventy helix, and then there's a, already a break. Another block, there, and then a turn to and another then block, turn into and the then the transfer breaks. track. Yeah, like half of that ride is break <laughs> runs. Like, like, yeah, reminds <laughs> me of like when Revolution true. opened. They run five trains. I, yeah. I'm just like picturing the idea of Arrow being like, we can run five trains yeah, on this thing too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, almost exactly. I'm sure that's happened. Um, I do want to mention before I move like move into like the development of the parks that there's a weird connection that I'm always proud of because I went to college in Northern Kentucky. I now, like, uh, Kings Island's my home park. Um, So when Kings Island was being developed, Fess Parker, who played Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone, wanted to create a frontier-themed theme park in northern Kentucky originally. And so that's what got um, the people at Coney Island shaking in their boots to the point where they went to Taft and ended up building Kings Kings Island Island. as we know it. Um, He next went to Marriott and then said, Mm -hmm. hey, Marriott, like, let's do a project together. And then that didn't work out. So I like to think that my uh, two home parks have a weird connection together mm-hmm. um, in that's projects that, right, right. It's really odd, but um, just like to mention that that's that he really tried his damnedest. It didn't end up working out for him. Yeah. But <laughs> Great America and Kings Island had that connection from 
before they were both even conceived. Right. And then, okay, and so, speaking of connections in, in, did you ever ride, I, I guess I'm not sure, when did you move to Kentucky? Um, 2011, 2011. Did you, so did you, let's see, when was, Kentucky Kingdom wasn't opened. No, it was, I was there when I was in school when it was closed. So it opened right when I graduated from college. So I still have not been to Kentucky Kingdom. You've never been to Kentucky Kingdom. I've never been to Kentucky Kingdom, which, because it was closed during the prime time when I would have visited. Um, I was going to go thinking about going this summer, but no comment. It's always tricky. If they're listening, hi, if they're not listening. Um, but I guess, uh, since I, I was just wondering if you rode Grease Lightning. Um, I never, so that's, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. I never got to go on Grease Lightning, yeah. never got to go on Tidal Wave, um, forever in my heart. That and missing on going on Big Bad Wolf by just like a couple of years will always haunt me. But, yeah, the Big um, Bad Wolf haunts me too. Like, because I never, like, haunts me, haunts me. Coasters. Um, so anyways, but yeah, so, yeah. um. I think if we're moving forward into the concept, what do we think about like the eighties, the seventies into the eighties, how was Marriott running these parks? Were they being, were they successful? Um, I think what's interesting to me is like where um, the similarities between the parks were obviously very apparent. The Gurney park immediately started growing even mm -hmm. more outwardly. They needed more rides and more, capacity in the land and the expansion ability was all there. They had, unlike um, California's Great America, which had, they had Barney's Oldfield Speedway, which was mm -hmm. the original two-lane aero car ride. Mm -hmm. uh, this, the Gurney Park had another car ride. Um, it was in like the New Orleans taxis area. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was over where um, both parks would eventually build their Intamin Rapids rides. So Santa Clara, Santa, um, Gurney had the additional car ride. They had uh, an Intamin Flying Dutchman ride. Those little, it's like a, it's like a wave swinger, but with those little ships. So they had one of those there. There was a few rides <laughs> that, um, that the Gurney Park had from the get-go that uh, either was not in the budget for Santa Clara or they, they did not need to add those upon mm -hmm. the attendance figures or they just simply didn't have the space. Um, but then no, at no point was that more apparent than when uh, American Eagle was built at right. the Gurney Park and obviously not at the Santa Clara you know, I Park. Think, I think very early on um, there is a couple things over the course of the history of both these parks that um, I always think about when it comes to their di ultimate differences at the end is that um, Gurney, you know, land wasn't as valuable, not, you know, mm -hmm. over the course <laughs> as, as, as it was mm -hmm. for Great America here or here as in like yeah. California. And so... The, the first thing is that, like, well, it was cheaper to buy land to secure future expansion space, and there was never going to be that literal, literally a fight over land, mm -hmm. you know. And then mm -hmm. it, it came to ownership. Consistency is key. I mean, it's been the same ownership for so many years in Gurney. It's been, like, you know, pretty much two owners, right? Mm -hmm. right. That's where right. in California we've been jumping between the city and King's Entertainment and yeah. acquisition, acquisition, yeah. acquisition. Mm -hmm. Land not being owned, land being bought, purchased, and like you lose so much time, you lose so much liquid capital yeah. just mm -hmm. in it like your growth and that balancing. Like a growing park gets stunted by the all the changing of hands. Exactly. Six Flags was a well-oiled 
So even if like the land had like the same quality, same location, Mm -hmm. just by like the ownership balancing over the years, Great America in you know California would have never grown as much as Six Flags. And then you add on top the fact that it's in Silicon Valley, the most Mm -hmm. expensive land in the U.S. Pretty much, right? Land has been like a like a like I don't know weight on that park since day one, right? Like even in the '70s, like that land was more valuable. Yeah. And so the temptation of selling that land, I think, has always just. It's always been in been the back consistent. of their mind. Every asset they've ever given that park has been one that they could very easily pluck away and send to another park. I even <laughs> I even <laughs> feel like there was a like... window where um, the, the current owners were literally just almost milking it, just waiting for it to be yeah. like even more valuable. Waiting for the land. I almost feel like the crash um, in 08 or 07 yeah. um, almost saved the park in a way that like the land was only as valuable. Because I really feel yeah. like leading up to that, I mean, I guess we'll get to that in a minute, but I just, I just didn't feel like the passion was there because yeah. I think they realized yeah. that they could literally let, let the bubble grow and then sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens, you know, it happens to parks uh, with valuable land. Absolutely. Um, I think what one interesting thing I always thought was like what, where the addition stopped, where American Eagle didn't get opened at the California park, which kind of put it, I think like we talk about how like we have the custom era looper you have, uh, you ha- and then they built the demon, yeah, they both, both um, parks which was... Demon which had four inversions. That's a big deal mm-hmm. in, the, in 1980, right? Yeah. Um, and then... They were one of several parks to open four inversion right. coasters. Um, Carowinds... So they were keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, you know Carowinds did first. They technically took the record with their now ubiquitous double loop, double cork helix I love that ride. Uh, layout. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, which would be later cloned by, uh, <laughs> cloned by and several other places. Um, and then, um, of course the Orient Express opened, um, right. but it was, so yeah, the demon was in good company as far as aerodynamics, uh, carefully pushing the envelope as far as of how many loops can we expect people to physically tolerate? Now, my question always was the location of Arrow's actual plant to the actual Great America Parks or, you know, California mm-hmm. Park. I wonder if that was the reason why they were able or move forward with swapping out the hills for the loops. Because I feel like that, especially before technology we know nowadays, it was a bit of an interesting conversion Choice. for yeah. a pre-existing right. ride it hasn't right. it hadn't yeah. been done yeah. so i wonder if like that that the happened. fact that they were a mountain view and it could literally pop over to the park in yeah. like you know a few minutes and then this mm-hmm. i feel like that was almost like the only way that would have happened and obviously it translated to gurney like, you know this is going to be your workhorse coaster for your first opening years and then we're going to give you a very easy upgrade to your existing roller coaster yeah that's maybe gonna be marketable, i don't know and it's going to be your new ride for 1980 also yeah, because shortly after these rides were manufactured, they already put the first vertical loop on yeah. there, you know, was, Cedar was, Point one. So. Right. And it happened, it was such an, like, it, and then when they added, like, the tunnel between the station and the lift hill right. and the tunnel after the, the loop, it was almost like they were planning on doing that from the beginning. It was like, uh, every, all, it these, does feel that way. all the demon components fit in, like, perfect little puzzle pieces. It reminds me when European parks do this thing yeah. where, like, they open a major, major roller coaster right. and they don't theme the it, and then yeah. a year later they relaunch it as a yeah. themed ride. Right. Yeah, right. for me, yeah. like, the demon was such a perfect, like... Trend setting. It was almost too perfect. It was like, no, you guys... I don't think you guys came up with this idea after the fact. I'm pretty sure this was the idea. And you were like, well, maybe we don't need uh, a, a roller coaster with four well, versions I yet. wonder if they were contracted, right? Because these parks are contracted way before they open. Right, like, it's yeah. a several-year right, right, right. project. So yeah. I wonder if these were contracted as just airtime hills and corkscrews. 
and then you know er, which was you know yeah. still pretty early development for them right. and then right. as these, right, right. these riots are being built arrow's like well now we can do this we too and i think then they realized like what if we just converted yeah. it i think it just kind of all ran together i'm not sure if it was like designed in 1974 with the idea like we're gonna yeah. put this right. in there right. i don't right. even know if they knew how to do yeah. it yet you know yeah you're you're right i don't know I, I just wonder if by the time they opened, they were already thinking, like, well, maybe we can uh, get some more mileage out of this installation. I wonder, um, too, because it opened the same year that Magic Mountain opened Revolution. And that mm-hmm. I almost feel like that took the, the marketing, like mm-hmm. the, the media hype in California for yeah. rides right. went to Revolution that year yeah. and not to you know correct um, century mm-hmm. so and great american general i think that definitely weakened the ability because this sounds bad turn of the century was a look janky compared to yeah. that revolution, yeah, revolution. Like, it doesn't help that both had the name great american it was great american revolution yeah, was the opening was the name of the swartzkopf right. coaster then, at yeah, Metropan. Right, right 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 that's so funny i, I never made that the connection the funny yeah. part to me is how like grease lightning came lickety split on the heels of the right. parks opening and then Two years Holy later, case. they were like, "We need more vertical loops in this." Park. Right, that it weirds it. It, it, <laughs> it boggles my mind. But I guess, truth be told, Carowinds did the exact same thing. Yeah. They had a perfectly good Schwartzpop shuttle loop. Yeah, they had a Schwartzpop shuttle loop, just... and they were like, "You know what this park needs? A arrow looper with four inversions." I always wonder because I think that in the late seventies, you had this. I call it like the the kind of late seventies, like when the beast opened, you had this kind of wooden coaster resurgence that was mm-hmm. going on. Um, and you also had the racing coaster resurgence that was going on, right? Like that had been going on yeah. since the racer. Everyone was building racing coasters. We talk about Gemini being kind of a weird outlier of mm-hmm. that. We talk about um, Colossus being part of that. Yeah. Um, and in a way it feels like when great America, when Marriott decided not to put American Eagle at the California park, which it didn't really have room for, yeah. but they didn't even like, there was no, I, did, I don't know if there was another concept they were thinking about putting for that park to expand. Was really that was no kind of them being like, my question is, um, given the unique markets they were in, I feel like Gurney definitely had a freer run when it came to competition. Mm-hmm. There's always right. kind of been this thing in California where like California was still California, whether there was a five hour drive through desert in between the two metros or not, it was still, you know, the markets, right. in a way, really you know, were connected. I think it kind of came down to, like, Great America may or may not have wanted to concern themselves with a wooden coaster because Santa Cruz already had a fantastic wooden yes, coaster. Yes, that's also, what I was going to say. That is the truth. That is the truth. A couple hours south on the five, you also already had Colossus. Yeah. So, like, we're right. going to really like, spend that much money on another Eagle. Colossus? Yeah. Well, like, no one one from Southern California was going to come up to your park for your mega two, you know, twin wooden coaster. People wouldn't even come up from Santa Cruz for it because they already had it. They wouldn't. And I think that, again, I think that's really kind of what shaved those sort of decisions. Because we see there's a lot Mm -hmm. of parallels even with different ownerships. But I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the clear ones why that didn't happen because that's such an incredible investment. Um, that just I just don't think it seemed marketable enough for for that region, I guess. I think the Santa Clara Park was was more eager. I mean, both parks for as long as they were Marriott operated went into interesting directions. Like with Intamin partnerships, they were like doing some of the funkier, like they did. They they were some of the first parks to do rapids rides. They were uh, immediately on the the Intamin free fall bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Both parks had edge. Although interesting enough, both parks had Intamin free falls, but they were not located in the same in different locations. Yeah. So funny. Relatively speaking. Um, it was, it's like, it was sort of like this funny ripple effect about how like the water droplets seemed the same 
And then once the changes started coming between the parks, it set off a chain reaction of like, well, we can't do it this way at this park because this park has this right. ride that we didn't do at this park. So now everything is changing. The demon was like the last great thing that Marriott could do for both parks that was of major substance because even mm-hmm. with, even the Rapids rides, were, even though they're in the same location, have totally But I'm pretty sure layouts. the Rapids were actually built after. So I, the Rapids were built after because you have the first, the first gen, um, the one at, at Gurney is a first gen Intamin Rapid yeah. with the really big boats. The one at Santa yeah, Clara is the smaller one. Had. Yeah. So that was the same. That's what I'm saying. So like yeah, those were right, interesting because like they're, they're like a weird, yeah. Six Flags developed the Rapids Ride concept with Intamin for Astroworld right. of all places. There's a lot of Astroworld yeah. connections because the guy concept. who designed Astroworld in Houston also designed the Great America Parks. Yes. Um, and Astroworld was like a, a, a very po- well-loved and abused test dummy. And um, things like the in, the original Intamin River Rapids Ride and the original Arrow Shoot the Shoot Ride both wound up mm-hmm. Um, at that park. And um, so when Six Flags acquired the Gurney Park in 84, I believe that was their first move. Put that. Um, their second move was removing the edge. See, it's kind of funny because of incident. when I look at the <laughs> timeline, like, okay, so Marriott was in charge of the operating, like opening parks for eight years, right? Mm-hmm. Or eight mm-hmm. seasons. Um, and then, but only four of those, they were actually like pretty much clone parks. Yeah. It's funny how right. shortly lived the copies really were. Yeah, the similarity. You know, it's true. I mean, it only lasted half of the married years. Now, mm. look at married years as in being like the shortest, you know, lifespan. But even then, like I said from the start, I mean, the Gurney Park simply had more rides. They also had a, uh, yeah, true. Uh, uh, a swing around. I forget who makes those. It's like Chance or something. But um, they, let's see, I think um, Dorney Park has one. It's sort of like, you sit in these little two passenger vehicles and they, and they, they go all the way out like 90 degrees and then back in and out. And Oh, so you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like an arms and they alternate. Yeah. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, Kennywood yeah. had one on the rooftop of one of the buildings for a long time. Yeah. I'm they trying. had them at, uh, can, doesn't Canada's Wonderland have one? I forget. Yeah. Clockworkers or something. Clockworks. Clockwork, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. This, this ride used to be a lot more common. It was like a glory era, 1970s ride. It was, a, it was another ride that, the Gurney Park got that Santa Clara did not. They had theirs um, located. Actually, Gurney still has theirs, I think. It's in the... Mm. So why do you think the Gurney Park opened, this is for both of you guys, opened yes. with more rides than the Great America Park? I mean, uh, the California Park. I think it's just because the competition wasn't in the market. Like, Chicago didn't have anything. The Chicago land area had some competition, but I think they were aware early on that they could that there really would be, be a staple. Yeah. Okay. I feel, I, yeah. I, also, I think they they declared themselves. Uh, I know this isn't a, a a Gurney Great America episode, but they did somewhere along the way declare war against Cedar Point and decided right. If right, you look right, at right. the roller coaster timelines between Cedar Point and Great America, it is uncanny. It yes. is Absolutely yes, uncanny. Yes, yes. The similarities between the, those two parks and the decisions that they were making. So somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was something that they were thinking about early on, where they were like, uh, we need four car rides and we need these extra flat rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those flat rides that I mentioned were located on pedestals that were suspended over the respective aero car rides. So like Gurney had their their Sky Coaster and their Splashwater mm-hmm. Falls ride over where the Barney Oldfield Speedway was. Mm-hmm. The pedestal where you load for the Sky Coaster. I don't even know if it's still there anymore because now X-Flight is in that area. I, I can't remember. Right. But the pedestal that you loaded on their little Sky Coaster for 
was what was built for the swing around ride that they relocated to the southwestern territory. Mm-hmm. And then the, the similar pedestal that the Intamin Flying Dutchman ride sat on over the taxi ride in the New Orleans area, like all of that got demolished. But I thought it was kind of cute how, like, even though these rides occupied right. the same basic space, one was part of New Orleans and one was part of Yankee Harbor. Um, right. Kind of like how the log plumes uh, are kind of looked at as an attraction, other, yes. but the entrances. <laughs> one was yeah, I always thought it was kind of, kind of funny yeah. how that worked. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think what's interesting is, so to go back to the Santa Clara pack, what's interesting is, so it gets, Marriott decides to sell, and basically the initial response, even in 84, is we're going to sell it for development. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. So the city of Santa Clara steps in and is like, no, we yeah. don't want this to be developed, um, which is the first of many, like like you said, Sean, like it's just like this park is like neutered in development yeah. constantly. It's 2020, um, Santa- and like you thought it was safe early this year, and now again, we're like looking at the same Now balance. we're like, here we are, same, yeah. same boat. One, to um, love so it's taken over is to wonder if it will still be open in five years. <laughs> it's the truth. That is it's the, the relationship truth. you have when you love this park, is wondering if like the last time you went is the last time you'll go. It's going to be the last time, 100%. <laughs> 100%. So then it's managed by Keith go by king's entertainment mm-hmm. um and becomes and joins its sister parks which it's still with now mm-hmm. which is is interesting mm-hmm. um and i've always wondered what do you guys think about those the key the king's years are interesting because they're longer than you think about it you always think oh marriott and then paramount but like those king's years were pretty significant the years were pretty yeah king's entertainment overtook operations of great america in yes. 1986 and that relationship happened i had thought just looking at drawing conclusions and looking at roller coaster databases, it's like okay, the Grizzly, which is one hundred percent Taft King's Entertainment fingerprints. Taft, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Grizzly has such an interesting and weird history. That ride was contracted by the County of Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. It was not wow. a decision made by the Kings. That that I had no idea. That, that change had not happened yet. That ride predated King's Entertainment's. Operational involvement no in Great America, and then I guess it makes sense because it opened the year that that they is how yeah. those two parties met because they wanted a wooden coaster for that park. They had decided at long last they Santa Clara, like, the city of Santa Clara, was like, like, "Let's get it." Like, no, we can do American Eagle, but like, how about this? And they're like, <laughs> "We can build it on top of one of our existing attractions." We get. You know, we get double double use out of the plot for the. We said integration. Old, old I don't like the ride, but that way. integration is cool. Oh, yeah. It's cool integration. Oh, super, yeah, pure, yeah um, absolutely. And they were like, we already know, like we our wooden coaster vehicles are going to be provided by Morgan Manufacturing. Like that is our hometown right. representative, and they just didn't have a company to provide a wooden coaster for them because at the time there was not a no. definitive. This was really early in like the Din Summers era. I mean, the Phoenix was only a year old. There was right. no wooden coaster built in 1984. I believe it's the only ro- it's the only year inside of the century where not a single wooden coaster opened. Um, the only way that Great America was able to acquire a wooden coaster was to go to Kings Island and ask mm-hmm. Kings Island. They asked another park to build, to build them a right. wooden coaster, right? Because there was no other way to get one. That was pretty much how the point of yeah. I want that. Yeah, they were really like, small. They, because um, the Grizzly, which was based on the Coney Island, well, okay, yeah, I mean, so God, the yeah. Kings Entertainment Corporation people, that the love for the Coney Island, Ohio park <laughs> got hard and slow because <laughs> they eulogized those two wooden coasters 
for over a decade. I know. Because Canada's know. Wonderland has both. With not only a Coney Island Wildcat clone, but a Coney Island Shooting Star clone. And to this day, the Coney Island Shooting Star remains. That park is still the biggest clone hole in the world. It is. Like, it, is like, it, it really is. Like, Canada's Wonderland, but really it's just production. Canada's Wonderland is, it is. That's wild. a different topic for a different day, but it is fascinating. <laughs> podcast it is like canada's wonderland and australia's wonderland for that matter Ooh, we could do a wonderland special speaking of um, which yeah so there was they had they built they had built wild, wild beast. beast in 1981 mm-hmm. and then they built the grizzly at, at king's dominion which was their beast they weren't going to build like a giant beast again no. but they were like well let's do it let's throw a wooden coaster at at this park like this is obviously going to be successful this is something that Bush Gardens Williamsburg probably won't do, so we're going to do yep. it. Like, we decided we're wooden coaster people. Um, they already had the junior wooden coaster at the time. All of these Kecko parks at the junior. As a kid, I was jealous that all of the other King's Entertainment parks had junior wooden coasters except for Great America. I was well, there's, there's one thing to say about, Ke- <laughs> about Kecko building them in-house is that, um, you know, in-house always cuts costs. Yeah. You know, if you build something yeah, in-house and it runs, it's absolutely. like, of course these wooden coasters are being popped up everywhere. Yeah. Because they're successful and they're in house. And the marketing, right. so Grizzly and Wild Beast were successful, and they worked inside of these environments where there was thrill rides and thrill seeking components that they had sought out for themselves. When they built Australia's Wonderland, um, I want to say that was eighty four, eighty five. They took the Grizzly layout and the Wild Beast layout, uh, and they made it into much more of a family mm-hmm. like ride. They they reprofiled the the airtime hills between the turnarounds and made them just large swooping curves. Because at the time for that market, they were like, well, Australia doesn't really have like a thrilling wooden coaster. Mm-hmm. That side of Australia didn't have a wooden coaster to speak of. Like Sydney did not have a wooden coaster mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And the only other wooden coaster in the country, I believe, was the Scenic Railway in Melbourne. So right. They didn't want to, like, build a very aggressive thrill ride. They just wanted something that was a novelty and that was pleasant and was going to operate smoothly. Yeah, 1985, that was when the third uh, Taft Grizzly opened. Wildcat, yeah. and Or Wildcat. And then, so for Great America, when it came time to do, they were like, I think the way the conversation went was like, well, we're actually already building our third type of this coaster, and it's going to be, like, a more family-friendly one. Like, do you Mm -hmm. want that? Do you want like a thrilling kind of thing like the Grizzly at, at, in King's Dominion, or do you want something right. that's like more? And they went with yeah, the family-friendly like... version. They went with the watered right. down because, again, I think what they were like was like, well, the Giant Dipper is a beloved local landmark, and if we're gonna give people here another wooden coaster, I don't think we want to give them something that's going to feel like they've been tricked into something more aggressive than they were anticipating based on their experience with the only other wooden coaster in the region. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. It's but a good the theory. Because I've like, always wondered that those damn flat, like yeah. turnaround, like hills Build are so bizarre. The goofy oh little baby version. Yeah. I'm not going to chime in on this ride because I just hate it. But... And, and uh, okay. As a child, I loved the Grizzly. I ride. don't hate the Grizzly. I only don't hate it because it's not as bad. It's just boring. It's just, like, it just and like, do a whole lot. 
There's that one and I still right have a the decent top right speed on that first drop. Right. Okay, so my first encounter with Grizzly was 2014. I waited two hours. It was triple A day. It sucked. And then we Ooh. rode it, and, like, the restraints were, like, super uncomfortable with, like, the little middle seatbelt yeah. that pushed. Oh, yeah. the, that, like, literally squishes your legs apart. Like, not been good to the Morgan trains. So, no. I, guess, I guess I've never had the glory days. Will, Y'all will probably had. out of its misery. But as a child, I'm, like... You know, when I was a kid, I thought that uh, Morgan Manufacturing's plastic wooden coaster trains were just standard because I didn't know any better. Right. I went to the boardwalk. I went to San Diego. I went to Magic Mountain. uh, I went to Great America, and that was it. And then when I finally rode a PTC train uh, at King's Island, actually, and I was like, well, this is cool. Right. (laughs) Like, this is interesting. Um, But, yeah, the, the relationship with Great America and the Taft Parks was actually born out of Great America's desire to build a wooden coaster and... They went to the only place they knew how to get one, which was Kings Island. Um, in fact, the roller coaster database, it's like the, the the builder, the designer for Grizzly is listed as like Kings Entertainment. Right. right. And it's technically right. the only ride listed as such, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then so out of that relationship, they were they were kind of like, well, I guess Great America was kind of like, well, hey, like, thanks for the coaster. Now, my question for you, you is, it? like, do you want this park? Like. So you're right. telling me, sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, uh, interrupt. No, but, go ahead. Um, you're telling me that they went to Kecko for their wooden coaster because they're the only option. But Intamin made American Eagle. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't that an option? Well, Intamin... Was it because, like, a price yes thing? No. Because Kecko could do it Intamin for way cheaper? did the design. It was a Curtis D. Summer design. Right. Too. So they did technically go to the same source. Okay. It was just that... Uh, I, yeah, go for it. I'm sorry, I was always going to say that Intamin's involvement with American Eagle was always kind of wonky to begin with in terms of, like, its construction. So, like, in a way, I feel like it really was a Summers with the PTC trains. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I I think at the time, like like you said, the time frame for, Amer- like, American roller coaster manufacturing was just in a weird place. Mm-hmm. And you and, and I, that's a pretty good theory. The one question I have is, I don't know, I've always wondered this. I've heard this, but since I've not been to Gurney... The reprofiling of the demons first drop. Did that actually? Is that like a like urban myth, or is that actually true? That know. under Kiko they reprofiled the demons drop to be more shallow and uh, like gradual. I've never heard that. I, 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 that's a good question. So you're saying okay, that well, like one demon has a different drop profile than the other? Correct. Correct. I would. I've know. heard this. I've written both. Uh, I love. Um, Santa Clara's demon is always, you know, holds a special place. I love the design of those trains with like the 3D right. fronts on them. I mean, honestly, these drops weren't very steep to begin with. They were not. Yeah, they no, were they were not. They were not. No, no, no. No, no, no. Turn of the century, yeah. Um, what's amazing about the demon at Santa Clara or at um, in Gurney was that it was, this was a rare, like, one off example of a park that had two custom arrow loopers. Right. The Demon was like their first generation looper. For a lot of parks, their first generation looper was like a Schwarzkopf. Like, right. Like for Magic Mountain, they followed up with Viper. Their second gen looper just happened to come from a different designer because Schwarzkopf was not going to experiment with anything other than loops, vertical loops. And so the fact that uh, Gurney's first generation and second generation loopers were. Uh, both arrows was, was kind of interesting. And then mm-hmm. what really blows my mind is that shockwave for lack of like in essence, shockwave was the successor to demon. It really, mm-hmm. it was the replacement for demon. It was like, this is right. the next generation of what the demon was 
Like this is right. we're looking at the demon again, but after ten years of like design, right. development, and fascination, and then Shockwave just came and went. Right. In the grand scheme of things, it was not even open for fifteen years. That was such a short no. window of time. And the demon is still kicking y'all. Like it's it been is. eighteen years since Shockwave closed. And the demon is still living its best life, running Shockwave's trains, those giant mega looper trains <laughs> on this little arrow looper, just kicking ass. Like, I, I think I only wrote it once. I, I went to Great America like eight years ago, and I wrote mm-hmm. the demon. It was closed most of the day, and then we wrote it. was like mm-hmm. one of the last things we wrote, and that was one of my favorite rides of the day. You can tell I'm just such. I a, love the. I I don't know. I'm an I'm an Arrow fanboy yeah. oh, through yeah. and through, and I will tell you those Arrow, the Demon first drop, like is still like one of my first coaster loves. Yeah. Like I said, Same. shallow or not, like Same. those things throw you out of your seat and into your shoulder harness. It's super but, whippy, yeah. yeah I, I can't pretend that my favorite moments of my 2012 Great America visit. I'm like, oh, X Light is cool, like Raging Bull. My favorite rides there were the Wizard and Demon. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Amen. Absolutely. I'm so sorry, sure. but that's just the way I am. I it is. I couldn't choose to love these rides any more than I do. Um, but yeah, I just love that about the demon. I love that the, both of those parks have changed so much, but to but, this day, yeah. they both have their demons, and they both they do run differently. But you can tell. Um, now, I know that we're talking about like the king's years, the Kecko years, uh-huh. and if. You know, but I always kind of lumped the Kekko years and the Paramount years together because I mm-hmm. feel like pretty they much. were, you know, because in the end of the day, they pretty much yeah. were, you know, just acquisitions yeah, of the absolutely. same property. So let's talk a little more about the Paramount years, unless you've got absolutely. anything to add. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I always like to talk about stealth. Uh, I know it's jumping a little bit. So if you want to <laughs> we'll add get between. We'll get there. Um, we're, we'll work our way up to it because we have to talk about, what, what are you putting Vortex. Oh, I just want to make sure Vortex. that. Um, <laughs> Or podcast, not okay. three and a yes, half hours. I, I, <laughs> the, um, the 80s for Great America, I mean, they had such an impressive lineup of coasters between the Demon mm-hmm. and Grease Lightning, and or uh, Tidal Wave at the time, of course, and then the Wizard. The Wizard didn't quite survive the 80s. There was an no. accident on the Wizard where, like, the trains collided and a kid died, so that was kind of bad PR for the ride. And I'm the Wizard, cool. ridership dwindled, and they just kind of nixed the Wizard pretty quietly due to mm-hmm. poor ridership and growing maintenance issues. And they didn't really have, like, a replacement for that ride, no. per se. One thing that they did get in the mid-'80s was the Smurf Coaster, the Scooby-Doo right, Coaster, the Green yeah. Slime, Minecart Coaster, whatever you want to call it. And that was the little kitty coaster that um, the Taft Parks had built for their experimental Hanna-Barbera Land standalone park uh, in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas. They were like, let's take the the giant Hanna-Barbera land that we built for mm-hmm. Canada's Wonderland and make it its own gate. Now, for international listeners, what is Hanna-Barbera? Hanna-Barbera is the animation component of Taft Broadcasting. They are responsible for... Scooby-Doo. Um, yeah, so the Scooby-Doo, Jetsons. the Jetsons, Flintstones. Um, gosh. When That's Han- fine. I think people yeah, get it. When Hanna-Barbera land yeah, okay. was open, when, in, the, in, the, in its heyday, Hanna-Barbera land at Kings Island... There was a ride for every TV show that yep. they had touched, and there was so, so many. I just can't believe sure. how many. And even up, up into the 90s, the Powerpuff Girls, um, Dexter's Laboratory, <laughs> these are modern Hanna-Barbera classics. That's true. It screams Paramount Parks to me, doesn't it? Yes. It does. It yeah. does, though. So I mean, funny, And that's yeah. why, like you said, I think that the two do bleed together. Because at the end of the day, Paramount was acquiring Kiko. The management yeah. itself didn't change yeah. that much. Yeah, no, they really just had didn't. new IPs to work with. It was just with. like Viacom is now the, the word. Like, we're going to do 
the universe. And I liked it because I kind of felt like it things. moved. Exactly. It moved from yeah. like, what well, is cartoons? Almost like the yeah. Nick Landish, you know, like back in the right, day, yeah. like the Nick Land. It moved towards like action packed stuff. And then when we started seeing Taft, Top Gun and stuff getting a lot introduced. Of live television, too. I mean, they were responsible for the Brady right. Bunch. That was why. And like right. the Partridge family. Both of those TV shows were huge fixtures throughout the late 60s, early 70s. Right. And both episodes, both TV shows had episodes where Island. all the characters went to King's Island, like yeah. opening year. Right. Uh, and like so, it, um, the Brady's, um, the father, Mr. Brady, I forget his first name, but he, right. he was a designer. He was the, he yeah, was, he was he architect. The yeah, it's cute. For King's Island, that was like the story being told. And there was this whole mishap adventure where like Marsha has like this poster that she won from I, a, I missed little marketing <laughs> like that. Damn. and um her dad had the plans and the tubes looked really similar and they accidentally swapped them and then Marsha ex- like forgot I would her. 10 out of 10 recommend you watch the episode was, do not make Alex go through all this it but so, I mean it's just classic it's it was, classic it and, is classic and, and, and you see the racer like, in all its glory Alice is looking for like she loses the plans on like the car ride and like the whole family's <laughs> looking around the park because oh Marshall's like, I lost my poster. Oh and my her dad's like, wait, no, those are the plans for the park expansion. Wow. So the whole park, everyone's running around King's Island looking for the, there's this one scene where it's Alice, so the maid, um, is looking inside of the empty barrels for the Intamin yes. spinning barrel ride. And then they start the ride while she's standing on the this platform. This is like literally. And she runs into a seat to sit down because the ride's moving. And yes. they literally filmed it that way. They literally filmed it with the actress standing uh, it's on so the ground. And then Wizard so crashes and they close it. Wow. It, yeah. I, well, <laughs> no, that was over it's different. Years of time yeah. It's different time. Um, but, anyways, um, but I think the last big Kiko additions, there's two. There's, um, I forget what it was called, the Skyhawk or whatever. That was, yeah, um, the Intamin Flight Commanders. Intamin Flight Commanders that they put in all their parks for like mm-hmm. a hot second. Yeah. And then, and King's then there's Island Vortex. Was, was iconic because someone fell out of it and died. Right. Um, the same yes. day that two It's a theme, apparently. There was yeah, it was like Black Sunday or something. Where like two electric- Black Sunday. Kings Island had two. There were two. Sorry. There were two electricians that got electrocuted in the in the lagoon at Kings Island, and then later that day, a lady fell out of the flight commander. And is that, what, is that what it's called, Black Friday? Yeah, it's called no Black oh. Sunday. No, that's unrelated. Oh, no, 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 it's unrelated. Gosh. No, sorry, I meant Black Sunday. But basically, three people died at Kings Island Pretty on the dark same day. day okay. and there were two separate unrelated events. One of them involved a lady falling out of the flight commander. Um, is that what Paramount bought them? And so Paramount bought, well, yeah. that was after the, so and Paramount yeah. bought af, like bought them right after, around right after that. So the last edition under Kiko was Vortex when it was neon green because mm-hmm. they built, that was, that was part of their stand-up kind of shenanigans. Yeah, they, they were, were putting a stand-up were, in like, every park. They were doing a stand-up coaster in every park. Correct. And they loved so them. are we saying that Gurney was a response to putting a stand-up no. everywhere? No, Gurney's, the, Gurney's was first. The Iron Wolf. I know what no, I'm but saying. Gurney's Iron Wolf, Wolf like, was certainly stuff, a response yeah. to King Cobra. Gurney's yeah, building yeah, that's Iron yeah. Wolf was a response to King Cobra. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think that people oftentimes are like, oh, that both King, both um, the early BNMs went to both Great Americas. Was it definitely Santa Clara matching Gurney? I think that's not the case, only because Kiko yeah. seemed to have Kiko this plan where they were adding a stand-up in every park, and they just switched yeah. it to BNM at, yeah. um, at Great America, yeah. and then of course at Carolines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Great America. Like through the '80s, it was a lot of oddball stuff. It was the Edge. It was um, the Revolution. Yeah, the, so that Houston Hanna Barbera Land experiment. It was only open for a couple of years. Now it's it's the Six Flags, uh, Splash Town, Hurricane right. Harbor Park. But yeah, that, so for a couple of years, that was a, a Hanna Barbera standalone family park, and they built this custom Intamin Kitty Coaster. Um, and I, I know for certain, besides the coaster, a handful of kitty rides from that Hanna Barbera Land were relocated to flesh out the Great American mm-hmm. Park. 
I think they they gave up the ghost on the Hanna Barbera Land. It was only open for two seasons. And right. I think as, like the last nail in the coffin for that place was the Great America acquisition because they were able to repurpose a lot of the um, capital and investments and stuff right. that were at that Hanna Barbera Land and put it into. Uh, Great America. Okay, so if we're saying that like Fortex was the last move by Gecko before Paramount acquisition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it was not a response necessarily to Gurney because right. Gurney was more of a response right. yeah, to Gecko. Yeah. Now the question is, Gurney opened the first invert by BNM. Mm-hmm. Are we going to yes, say like is, is Paramount actually this responding to Gurney, yeah. or is this another one of those unrelated events? Because to me, it sounds like Paramount okay. is now responding to Gurney. I have a very good theory to this. I think it was partially a response to Gurney, but I also think what was going on, and this is my theory, was that um, Kiko had already decided to do two contracts. One to Arrow for their next gen suspended, one to BNM for this new inverted thing. Um, and I think that they were trying to feel out which one was going to be a better investment for the parks. Well, actually, not to not to Kings Island, sorry, to Canada's Wonderland. My apologies, my time frames are messed up. So I personally think their idea was we have stand up coasters, suspended coasters are the next big thing. We know this. We have two options. Now, we once discussed just a couple of weeks ago, actually, just in passing. It's like, what if, and this is could completely be wrong because of the, the time span sure. between opening and acquisition of Paramount. But uh, in my head, I was like, well, are there any leadership team members at these two properties that started together with Marriott, even if it's late in the mm-hmm. Marriott era, mm-hmm. and then these parks grew aside, but they have they were still you know in important leadership roles within these two parks, and could that have potentially affected their business moves mm. because it's of you know possible. inside? I could imagine business relations. This is before social Ex- media, but you know. Just staying on board with their respective parks is because if I'm changed. yeah because if I've been with Marriott, you know I got hired on with Marriott and so did my colleague mm-hmm. both to, both two different parks mm-hmm. and ten years later right. we're like three we're three acquisitions in on one side mm-hmm. but we're you know the other person still works for Six, Six Flags, Flags. Six these Flags, people right. still still have that relationship yeah. you know um, so I always kind of wonder if there is you know internal talk of like well no this manufacturer brings this product out and like it leaks to a team member at the California mm, park possibly and I think boom it's definitely possible, possible you know. I also think it's also really likely that just both of these parks wanted to be at the forefront of the whole industry and parks across the country were making moves like this. It's funny because these, um, both these parks definitely were in the foreground at that time. I kind of forget that sometimes like right now, but yeah. Well, because of great America's dark ages after like this sounds bad, but we do forget that up to that point, yeah, it was cutting exactly. edge. Living like it, and going to having a great America pass in the late nineties, man, you were in the hottest coaster right. development spot even as a kid i was always kind of fascinated with the california park for like you know and vertigo and then stealth i mean you think about stealth cheesel peas like yeah it's funny i didn't even realize they're made in netherlands when i knew about these freaking rides Mm -hmm. and i lived right down the street but yeah i was just you know it was always kind of fascinating even living on the other side of the world great america kind of had that aura you know um the california park Mm -hmm. but yeah i think throughout the 80s both parks got similar additions that were not necessarily Mm -hmm. And even into the 90s, maybe we're not necessarily right. echoes of each other, but just echoes of a greater trend in the, the trends, industry. Both correct. parks did their River Rapids rides. Both parks did their Intamin Free Falls. Both right. parks, um, after the edge at Great America and in, in Gurney left, uh, Six Flags replaced it with an Intamin looping starship. And then the following year, um, Great America Revolution and opened. Santa Clara opened their, uh, yep. you know, Yankee Harbor-themed similar version. Um, I guess really, like... Again, there was very little like roller coaster activity happening uh, in the Santa Clara Park. 
Even even the gurney for part sure. got a second hand sure. bobsled coaster from Intimate. Which fun fact the the very first project that B and M did as their independent company was to design new uh, bobsled vehicles for Rolling Thunder at Six Flags Great America. So they could so they sit, could next, sit to next to each other instead of like the whole in line. Instead of doing the whole like log flume seating <laughs> configuration. Seating. So you can still ride those uh, at the Great Escape in, in New York. You can ride in, uh, B&M's very first project oh. on those little six passenger vehicles. <laughs> so Sean, to get to, get to a point about Paramount, I, I always think about Great America as interesting in the Paramount parks because the Paramount parks were just weird. We talk about like wonky mm-hmm. management, like they were weird parks mm-hmm. um, in the way their coaster editions went. But where do you think Great America fit in the landscape of like the park, like what parks were the like leader leading parks of the Paramount era? Right. Cause like, you know, in Cedar fair now we have like the tier one, the tier two, like people yeah. talk about obviously like Kings Island and then yeah. Carowinds is being brought up. I know that Kings Island was always going to be like the, the Paramount sweetheart. parks yeah. sweetheart. But I think what's interesting is I think that in a weird way, like great America was kind of number two. Yeah. It's funny. I, think I for feel a period. like Paramount always played the tier game really hard, a small portfolio, but definitely the tier game. It was like, right. Play, play right. Save in Canada because short season, High value. They played it safe in Carol. You know, and too. then to play it safe in Carol was hundred percent. Carol was underdeveloped. Yes. Got some great additions like Vortex and Top Gun. Both Carowinds and Canada's Wonderland didn't right. shine till Cedar Fair took yeah. over. But I feel yes. like Great America yes. was their park, and it was like, well, it's always good weather. It's year round. We right. had competitive markets super close. It was like mm-hmm. if we're gonna break through somewhere, this is where it's gonna be. It's here. I think they did. And they had all those, like, that. they had the entertainment district planned. I think they saw the California park as, like, them seeing their whole studio park idea finally yeah. manifest in yeah. a way. Um, they were very, it never they, happened. They were super quick. Which is why I find it so interesting that, that they clarify. never decided to put a flight of fear in the right. Santa Clara Park, because that right. was their biggest studio move. Mm-hmm. And I get that, like, Kings Island had their own market to compete with, especially prior right. to, you know, it all being one company in the region. You know, it had quite some competition. And then I know that for the same thing, Kings Dominion had to fight with, with fierce competition. Yeah. Bush Gardens, but yeah. to yeah, me, definitely. I still Bush feel... Gardens, Cedar Point, and uh, Marine World, <laughs> I guess, were kind of the reasons why those uh, respective I mean, were so audacious. Not just Marine World. I still feel, and I, I keep lumping in SoCal, but, I mean, Disneyland yeah. was big enough of a staple. Right. Yeah. University of right. Hollywood, Magic Mountain Knox. I mean, these are... Yeah. SeaWorld, these are five incredibly major parks all in SoCal. Right. And I think they still compete. Like, if you're going to go on a weekend trip somewhere, are you going to go? You're right. going to go to SoCal, and so right. I really feel that right. all their attempts there were to break through in a way to fight with the SoCal and maybe even Marine World. And then there's the boardwalk. Well, yeah, I mean, the boardwalk <laughs> we, has we, been we like has been the just unsteady so, piece, you know, just like, like toddling along. They're, they're but Paramount bloom. seemed to kind of give <laughs> up on Santa Clara pretty quickly. Like, I think that they initially had like a lot of strength going yeah. into it, and I mean, you think about. I mean, Top Gun, Flight Deck, whatever you want to call yeah. it, is like ruled Northern California for a very significant yeah. period of time and ruled that park for insanely longer than it should have. You know what? Before Magic Mountain did is something I won't forget from my childhood. Top no, Gun, Top Gun ruled that not. park well into Gold Strike's opening years. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. I would be there and like everyone would still talk about Top Gun, even though I've been Flight Deck for years. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was still, like, it's still the staple. I mean, mm-hmm. still, if you go in there, I think the audience that's lived there still talks about yeah, the Hub Gun and not yeah. the other new oh, yeah. rides. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It owns that park. And, um, it, it, and kind of, I, I love it because, like, the fact that a 1990, like, 
93, like, or is it 92? I'm blanking right 93. now. But 93. Uh, 93 inverted coaster is like still the, the queen of the park is mm-hmm. incredible to me. And I think it's like, it's a little sad, but well, also like. That, that <laughs> you hit that one right now. It's a little sad. But it's... Vertigo, and then they built Stealth and then Stealth left and then Invertigo left and Grease right. Lightning had left and. And, and then it was just the Dark Ages, which is a, when I was going. It got to a point where Psycho Mouse was <laughs> the newest coaster at the park. But I also, I want to draw a parallel again to, like, the value of, of the land. Mm-hmm. It kind of became this thing where it's like, we have options. Like, okay, either this is our next breakthrough and we mm-hmm. have the first flying coaster here and it's going to be success. Or, you know, we just sell the park and make money. And I feel like the more valuable the land became the more it became an option to just let it run into Mm -hmm. the ground and just sell the land to development and how hard that sounds for theme park lovers that that's an option from a business standpoint it makes complete sense okay well if it's a filled project there there's always that light in the tunnel Mm -hmm. but like there's other options if you have a park in middle nowhere that fills then you lost your capital yeah but it's not really i mean that's like one of the few parks in the world where like either way if Cedar Fair were to sell it now, it would still, you know, it is what it is. Like, they would still, they wouldn't go bankrupt over it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, and I feel like they so kind I of went that direction. So, I think really is the turning point, though, right? Yeah. Like, you would say stealth is the turning point and the failure of stealth. Because, like, we, 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 we talked about Psycho Mouse. The initial plan, right, was supposed to be opening Hypersonic XLC mm-hmm. on that plot. Um, and Actually, so, it seems like... Hypersonic yes. XLC was going to go... In the in the opposite corner um, where they over by the high, sky tower, right? Striker. Yeah, and you know how I know oh, that? I had no idea, because really. When I was a little boy, uh, you know, going to Great America religiously as a child, uh, I was there on Stealth Media Day. I was there. My parents pulled me out of school because it was a family emergency, and we went and we rode Stealth on opening day. That whole bit. Um, the park maps had the little. Like when Stealth was under construction, like coming, like a little yellow square. Stealth saying, was under construction for almost two years. The whole ride right. was constructed and testing before they even announced it. Um, Back when you could still do that. And uh, we used to take the sky <laughs> ride, and, and we would take pictures of stuff when it was being built. We, yeah, we have so a whole photo album here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian, I have to show you these photos. You're just going to die. Please, please. Um, I will. But yeah, so the little starburst in the corner that said, you know, new traction coming in 2000. These were printed on the 1998 maps. So they were on the mm-hmm. 98 maps and the 99 maps. And so we got used to having the little star there that said coming attraction. And right. then... The year 2000 came, and Stealth opened, and the star moved to the opposite side of the park. It moved to the little corner really? of the map where um, there was all of this still undeveloped land, or underdeveloped land, I should say, around Splashwater right. Falls, where Wizard had been. Mm-hmm. Splashwater Falls came in pretty quick after Wizard uh, was demolished, but it obviously mm-hmm. didn't occupy all of the space that they had to work with right. there. And the little star said, you know, coming soon, a major new roller coaster in 2001. Well. And so, and we, and you know, I found out after the fact, I was like, okay, so this is the new ride that was going to happen. It didn't happen was, was hypersonic XLC. They, which they, which they demolished the train for. Right. Hypersonic XLC was the power move. That was why they said goodbye to the train. And, and then that ended up falling through and they were like, well, I guess we're going to build a, an era. Wild era maps. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently there was also in that same plot they had talked about. So there was this weird period in, in Paramount where they were talking about, we talked about how Paramount just didn't build hyper coasters, yeah. even though they were like becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. They had talked about building like a hyper coaster there. Yeah. It was going to be a weird wonky elevator thing or yeah. something. But yeah. like, yeah, I've seen the concept. It was supposed to go all the way out to yeah. demon. Mm-hmm. 
right. which is weird. Just weird. And it was just weird. To the Brady Bunch. To the Brady Bunch. I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> the Brady I, Bunch. It's hard to be International Park pulls that stuff. Like, the big okay. Elevator <laughs> track. Ugh. Thing had like the giant nine. You know what? I Brady Bunch. Thing. When you look at roller coaster going three, and it has that weird like in the tilt coaster, you can the build that weird like yeah. lift yeah. hill yeah. that like yeah. also tilts. Yeah. That's the first thing to think of when I yeah. think of the weird Morgan thing they were gonna pull while it thinking of pulling. They were gonna build a Morgan coaster. There. The fact that they right. actually 100%. built a Morgan coaster at that park is kind of surprising because of. I just think that, that stealth project in Vertigo was a little iffy, but that's just because. Uh, production models that push the limits, especially yeah. you know back in the day. But I think with stealth, they realized that we're not going to pull any stunts anymore because yeah. pulling stunts, right. it's like you market something, it doesn't run, bad rep, bad press, and yeah. you know it becomes one of those things where um, I think stealth was like their second big prototype. Well, they they've been a prototype mm-hmm. prototype park for years, right? right? B and M prototypes right. and building '90s Vacoma prototypes. I mean, this was pretty much like <laughs> it was pretty much like yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I think they realized, like, we're not going to pull this again. We're yeah. not going to do this with Hyper XLC. Because, yeah. like, now yeah, we're on... ultimately why you know? they called it on Hypersonic. Right. Well, I guess there was a couple of reasons. One, they were like, look, we're already... We're still knee-deep in problems with stealth. We don't really right. need this right now. If anything, stealth is also going to be our 2001 new attraction. Because right. it's not running right. much for this year. Luckily, Magic Mountain had this similar timeline uh-huh. where, like, they had Struggle Bus Central down there, too. It was mm-hmm. like X wasn't running, and his Deja Vu wasn't right. running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. and Scream was literally built because they needed something yeah, they that needed would actually run as yep. the billboards From, suggested it yeah, would, you yeah. know? Right. Um, so at least it wasn't the only park struggling, and it almost mm-hmm. like there was, like, this counterbalance down to five where it was like, at least there's another park really struggling. Right. Like, everyone was trying to, to push it. the limits, but I think Great America gave up first. Yeah. Because, They yeah. were the one person to give up. I mean, because, and this sounds bad, but they were up against Medusa. And Medusa, like, this hyper-reliable, beautiful, mm-hmm. and, like, you think about, I think about when oh, I was yeah. even in, like, 2010s. Totally. Like, that coaster just looks so stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, unlike anything you'd ever seen before. Like, and you think the floorless were, like, it's and you put it back in the context of 2000. It still rules NorCal. It is still the biggest thing in NorCal. Mm -hmm. And you know, people never make this connection, but I just made it, and thank you to you, uh, Ian, for, for living that, is that people always say like, well, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, Scream is a clone or a mirror clone that's slightly taller than Bizarro, right? The Medusa in Great Adventure. Mm -hmm. But the real reason Scream was built is because Medusa and NorCal had such an impression on the market, it was cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yes. It like yes. while there were struggling yeah. prototypes just down the road, even though the demographics didn't overlap, it's still a competing market in a way. Mm-hmm. It and is I absolutely, think, absolutely. And I think Six Flags was like, you know what? This works. This and works. so they they, they cloned this the crap out of choice. You know, an existing like, attraction. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, yeah. And s- that was definitely rough, though. I mean, because Great America was the had been the roller coaster leader. Because I mean, before then, and we'll get to Marine World next, but the only two coasters they had were freaking relocated XL, uh, like sorry, SLC mm-hmm. and a boomerang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and then they like were like coming. Fascinating story. Which luckily, late nineties, these were incredibly acceptable yeah. rides. Yeah. I mean, we talk about them a lot, as in like they kind of like put parks right. on a map that didn't have mm-hmm. big rides, you yeah. know, like the boomerang right. was six inversions, backwards, forwards, two drops, everything. Right. And then the SLC right. offered, you know, even though it doesn't quite compute with Top Gun, really, yeah. um, it is still offers, you know, a well, park and, and with the, no rides, something impressive. Vertigo, but it still worked. It was still a good foundation. Isn't that so Absolutely. funny how, like, prior to Medusa, 
Marine World really was just a marine park with like the smaller versions yeah. of what it was. They got the Premier Parks care package, is what I always called it. Yes. Like, here's your boomerang. They slapped boomerang in there. Here's half a dozen. I love when they literally called boomerang coast to coast because they were putting them from coast to coast. They weren't even hiding it. Coast to coast. Yeah. Coast to coast. Yeah. Coast to coast. Because Great Escapes was still called that. Um, the one at Darien Gardens has the same like little boomerang ensign that the one I grew up with in, in Marine World. But yeah, the late '90s was as a kid. I mean, I was totally spoiled. Like growing right. up on, on theme parks, my parents like you know because because my parents met working at the boardwalk. I mean, it was no surprise that they just really liked the music parks a lot. Both of them went to Disneyland and Magic Mountain as children, and. Um, so I, it, it wasn't hard for me to convince my parents that, like, we needed to go to Great America and the Boardwalk pretty much constantly. Right. Um, we had lived in Arizona for a couple of years, actually, in the mid-'90s, mm-hmm. and then we ended up back in uh, Scotts Valley in 1997. During those Arizona years, we spent a lot of time at Castles and Coasters, which was pretty <laughs> new at the time. So that was my first uh-huh. looping coaster, was the Hopkins Desert yeah. Storm looping coaster at... Um, at Castles and Coasters when I was four years old, uh, summer of 1995. Bored. Uh, Bored. <laughs> or the, what the an introduction. What an I was born in August. So, yeah, it was probably right before I turned five, but I was technically, yeah. Um, and then, like, we, you know, we spent a lot of time at the boardwalk. I loved being at the boardwalk in the 90s because they were getting all sorts of funny stuff. Like, they, uh, the Jetstar, bless its soul, was replaced by the Hurricane in 1992, which is a huge part of my childhood. As a kid, I liked it just as much as the Giant Dipper. I couldn't mm-hmm. appreciate that one was so much more special than the other, but I just really <laughs> liked them all. Um, right, logger, right. The, the, logger, the log flume at the boardwalk is the greatest gift that we could have ever hoped for from Great America and the influence of that park. Because it they're truly like, well, is. You guys it are building is. your giant arrow log flumes. Like, well, we're going to build a giant arrow log flume too. And now the arrow log flume Northern California chapter is just the boardwalk. I know, um, it's so sad, so, but yes. Yeah, um, so yeah, I remember all of that happening very fondly, and yet my parents, I mean, my parents were insane, they, because we went to Magic Mountain every year, too, So and we went to Disneyland every year, and, mm-hmm. we, and we, we went to, Marine, my parents took me to Marine World Africa USA before there was rides, just for right, fun. Like, right. My parents took me to Mission Beach to ride the Giant Dipper when I was six because mm-hmm. I'd already ridden the Santa Cruz one when I was five, and they were like, well, so you, you have need to, to ride both, like, Come on now. Um, and then when they built, when uh, we didn't actually go to Marine World the first year that they had rides, but when they built Roar, my dad, my parents were like, let's right. go. Like, this well, is cool. Right. Roar was the first power move because yes. Roar was incredibly revolutionary yeah. for the Wooden Coast Escape, yes. which is kind of funny, right? Because we talked about Wooden Coasters earlier in the episode. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if there's ever a product line that really kind of like yeah. had its waves, I feel yeah. like Wooden Coasters have been, oh, yeah. God, the history yeah. on those. Um, and I the think GCI, that was really yeah, the first yeah, power yeah. move. Um, but I can, I, I just remember it like it was yesterday. My first trip to Great America that I can remember was my sixth birthday, uh, August of 97. I re- distinctly remember riding the triple wheel and just loving it and just thinking like, this mm-hmm. is cool. And I rode Tidal Wave and loved it. And I rode Grizzly and thought it was just banging. I the wrote, bees knees. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Days of Thunder. Like, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of this. And then the, ne- the following year, I was pissed because we went to Great America. I don't think we got season passes until 1999, but we went just when it started getting good. In 98. And in Vertigo was there. I'm like, what the? F- I can't ride this. I'm not tall enough to right. ride this ride. Where is right. Triple Wheel? 
that I was tall enough to ride. Um, so that bothered me a lot at the time. Wow. I think that was why we waited to go to Marine World until 1999, because I wasn't tall enough Funny story to ride. Funny story real quick. <laughs> Speaking of, like, seeing something and not being able to ride it, I went to Santa Clara for my very first time in the history. Oh, yes. I love this story. <laughs> a month and a half after they closed in Vertigo, and I stayed at the hotel across the street from the park in yeah. for, for Christmas. And I still live in the Netherlands, and I had seen about this park on brochures and on the internet for years. And my dad even illegally trespassed into the parking lot to show me the theme park, including Top Gun. Oh. And I, from the hotel room, stared at Invertigo for three days straight, and I never got to ride it mm-hmm. in, the, in that location no. because that it just oh, closed. No. Yeah. We did oh, ride no. We didn't ride it at Stinger. We did ride it at Dorney Park. It was the best. That's, a, that's a rare ride. credit. That's got to be a rare Park credit. Ever had. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, don't at me. Um, but yeah, so it's just, we'll it's just funny. Got three rides on it, and then they demolished it a couple months later. Much salt. Um, it is true. But yeah, I remember in 1998 with like New Marine World. Uh, fun fact, we moved to Nashville in, in 2001. Uh, obviously, I, like, I never went to Opryland. My father went it's to Opryland. Just from Great America really started giving up. He went to Opryland right. in, uh, right in America, 1975 yeah. and rode the Wabash Cannonball the year it opened. Um, and the Hangman... Uh, suspended looping coaster from Vacoma was was relocated to Marine World. So mm-hmm. I did have an Opryland credit uh, before we even moved to Nashville, long before I made the connection that they were um, right. those yeah. were relocated rides. But that was part of like Premier Parks was doing all. There was one year where Premier Parks had acquired Marine World, and so for that year when they built the rides, it was called the New Marine World. And right. then when right. Marine World, when, when Premier Parks acquired Six Flags, they renamed it Six Flags Marine World uh, for the 1999 season. And coincide. this is really, I think, when the market's more more. like excitement shifted to Marine World. I feel like yes. Six Flags was kind of like, okay, well, we, we, we've got something yeah. here. And I think they, they, they too could see the potential. the potential, but also the struggle down, down yeah. in the South Bay, right? Where like Great America right. is like really starting to get developed around. The and I think they really came in and said, okay, well, this and is where the next big regional move. park is going to be. Stealth was too much risk. I mean, it was – Stealth it was, was yeah. a disaster. And it definitely wasn't Six Flags' favorite that the infrastructure for the park was there. A unique product was already there. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they were just going to move in with just a coastal park. I mean, they had you know, they had a unique yeah, idea. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. Six Flags, the CEO, even uh, – what's his name? Jimmy Ederson, mm-hmm. uh, pre- previous CEO. He even called it like Six Flags Little Gym yeah. because like mm-hmm. it was Six Flags' chance – to kind of do what they eventually failed at in in Ohio, in right? Yeah, right. and you know, and and but do it in a smaller scale and a little more of a secure scale, and it's it's the one that survived, and it's kind mm-hmm. of you know, no matter how Six Flags Discovery Kingdom performs, I think Sickers will always really love that property for what it did for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, something that's kind of to this day, it always gets an impressive uh, investment, an impressive piece of the pie, I think. Something I did want to ask about, because I'm not super familiar with it, is, like, what were Six Flags, like, plans for Marine World when they first bought it? What was the, like, there's so many concepts, <laughs> Funny you should ask. so many ideas. Um, I'm curious, just, I'm sure our listeners are interested as well in what this idea was. It wasn't always going to be parking lot coasters. So you got to kind of <laughs> think about it, like, the timeline. Um, I know that Six Flags can never be Disney, right? But the timeline is honestly kind of similar to, like, when, Six Flags and Animal Kingdom were like, you know, starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, even though they're opposite coast and it's Six Flags versus Powerhouse Disney, there was definitely inspiration. I mean, imagine being a theme park chain that comes in, acquires a theme park that is already as nice and manicured and like as infrastructurally sound as Marine World was. And then mm-hmm. kind of getting to put in your money you have, you know, and like right, actually right. in a project. So like half the cost is already taken care of. So I think Six Flags really kind of had the idea of making 
this, the next California power move, and like owning the Bay because competing in SoCal is so hard, right? Like if it, right. it was thrill or nothing, but in the Bay Area, they could really own the market. Yeah. I think there was a mm-hmm. niche that they it was theirs to carve. It was yeah. their game to lose. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So their plans, um, there were a lot of plans. Obviously, whenever anyone builds a new theme park or acquires a park mm-hmm. to retrofit it, they you know, concepts are, are, are skyrocketing and everyone always has the greatest yes. idea. So no, it doesn't always happen. Um, but there were definitely some interesting plans, including a giant aviary um, in the African adventure area. There was supposed to be a jungle cruise kind of attraction going by extra animals. Shocker. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, Imagine uh, that. interestingly enough, the rapids ride, Whitewater Safari, um, it was actually supposed to be interwoven with uh, several animal exhibits um, where you would kind of coast through it and then, um, there will be walkways also interacting with it and with a bunch of different, you know, levels of animal exhibits. You know what that sounds like? Tiger River Rapids. It sounds like Tiger River Rapids. It also Tiger River Rapids concept for Animal um, Kingdom yeah. that and, also was canceled right. because they decided. I mean, look at these concepts. Unmanned boats in animal enclosures is a bad idea. Not the best idea. Anyways, Not the best idea. Just continue. So funny enough, like that part of the park, you know, where all the animals are currently, it was really kind of supposed right. to be like Animal Kingdom. But on the front side, they wanted to take a bit of a different approach. So where the sharks were on the water side, they were trying mm-hmm. to build a giant um, simulator ride. That will be about like a submarine voyage kind of simulator oh, ride okay. um, that would then exit out into the shark encounter, which I think is a really cool idea. It's I think cool it would have maybe even worked if they had the money for it. And that's kind of where like the big food plaza is now. That's yeah. where the simulator would have been. Mm-hmm. And then the gotcha. exit would have been where the shark encounter existed. Um, and that's where ha- why Hammerhead is there. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I love gotcha. Hammerhead. Yeah, okay, yeah. yes. Uh, um, early Zamperla. Now, 90s era so, Zamperla. Remember they had that Dino 4D attraction? Yes. Yep, that was supposed to be where they were actually adding a dinosaur-themed area with a dinosaur lock flume that would go around, almost like around the 4D coaster. And Kong's entrance used to be there. And that was all kind of supposed to be together. Like Kong, um, you know, that was all kind of supposed to be one area. And then the Medusa Plaza was supposed to exist as we see it, but in a little bit more of a flashy kind of... um, Kind of way, themed. yeah. Medusa was either supposed to be themed to Medusa with like a temple as its station, a little bit more fancy than we see it now, and mm-hmm. then it was supposed to be of water, or they were gonna make a Superman. In fact, there are more concepts for the Superman because it was supposed to be another Superman right. Krypton coaster. That makes sense, like right. the one in Fiesta sense. Texas, similar yeah. acquisition, right. similar timeline. Yeah. However, um, they went with Medusa to kind of keep it. You know, they didn't. Keep they didn't. Naturalist. They uh, didn't put any DC comics yeah. into that yeah. property until sure 2012. For a long time. If they wanted to they go. really weren't because they they were shy with that. Yeah. Bugs Bunny was, and I almost kind of wish it was still like that because my very first visit there was in 2011. No, it was early 2012, right before Superman was being built. Mm-hmm. Superman was still under construction. I still remember putting right. like uh, track pieces in, and it's still at the Killer Whale Shuka that went to SeaWorld, San Diego, and. Um, I remember distinctly loving how cohesive the park was because it just felt like a SeaWorld with roller coasters. Yeah. And I was like, you know. That's how, yeah. And that was when I visited the park. And that's how I felt as well. Because, I mean, you could, what was odd though was like the cracks were showing, like that, the Rapids ride and like mm-hmm. the old, Zam, uh, what was it, the disco, Zamperla disco or whatever they had. And the, and the Topspin was still running. And all of those kind of had that like temple jungle vibe that you could tell they were mm-hmm. trying to do something cohesive. Um, but, um, that's obviously not there anymore because I mean I think it's become weekend with the addition of their um, kind All of the superhero focus section. Has been on like the new DC universe. Um, it was a weird timeline to where their credit at least all of the DC rides are in the same area. That's the truth, because that is Six Flags, my biggest pet peeve. Like y'all, the like, only real outlier I think for uh-huh. the longest time was V two. 
Mm-hmm. Especially when I had to retrofit it and repainted it like a oh. year later. That was the one outlier. And because the whole park, even Boomerang, Kong, Medusa, Roar, they were mm-hmm. all like, you know, brown tones, red tones. It was right. all naturalistic. And then Green. V2 was like that, yeah. you know, wow, look at this weird looking. I mean, it just was almost like an eyesore, you know. Yeah. Um, but I guess like now that ride got saved. Um, and but yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, this was an iconic moment in Premier Park's era Six Flags short side. Yes, it is. And foolishness. Absolutely. They, there is a 150-foot height uh, in position by the county that, um, yeah, that the, Marine World is located Napa in. Napa County, if I'm mistaken. So they announced mm-hmm. um, V2 vertical velocity alongside uh, V2 vertical velocity at Six Flags Great America. Um, mm-hmm. And both roller coasters are 186 feet tall, or they were. Um so, with the 150-foot height rule imposed by the county... Yeah, let me bring it this way. Imagine marketing your biggest roller coaster today <laughs> that is 150 feet tall. You make sure the whole world knows it's 150 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Then you build right next to it a roller coaster that's 186 feet tall. Is that the height is? And then you try to tell the whole world that this that coaster that's all, that clearly sticks out over yeah. your big market 150 and foot you roller build coaster. An identical version of it at another park where that the you market is 186. Is 186. Yeah. It, and so. Six and I'm pretty sure the freaking slick. like Intamin ride placker literally says the higher yeah. the ride, you know, dimensions. Right. Yeah. So that happened, and the ride had to close. That's the most expensive it was, marketing it was stunt ever. Over the, the, the local <laughs> high, so they took. The rear tower and chopped thirty feet of it off, but they relocated the the holding brake, which was you know right. that was a cool thing that happened was the holding brakes on all of these um, all these impulse these coasters. impulse coasts yeah um, and then they took the forward spiral spike and made it this long shootout thing with a barrel roll in, in it. fact they actually had to remove the whole spike the track was not used for that ride right. again they had to completely right. custom support um, or custom create a second kind of version of it and at the end the ride ended up costing way more because there was way more track length there were way more mm-hmm. supports i mean i think the amount of steel infrastructure must have been at least doubled when they added at least with the supports over that plaza and i i know a lot of people love it i kind of love it it's so wonky I love it too because it's so different it's, it's like so wonky. you either get three inversions if you sit in front or you get like one inversion if you sit right. in the heck or like two i guess um, but I do it's think so it's wonky. really cool, and I do think like going over the plaza, it was, it did feel very powerful. It's like it's the first real gatekeeper. You know, gatekeeper was kind of like marked as in like reinventing the whole right. like marquee coaster interacting Market with the entrance. Yeah. But like low key, fluff, uh, vertical velocity did it before it was cool. I agree, hundred um, percent. Not on purpose, um, but yeah. But John, but unintentionally, it became the marquee. I think. Um, I think what's interesting is like it's they've kept the additions going. Like Six Flags never really slowed down that much with with Marine World. Like with uh, sorry, with Discovery Kingdom. Like they've kept pushing the envelope. Um, I think pretty, it's very true. Even where Superman, it wasn't necessarily especially. necessary, because like they built Superman right in 2012, um, and then right. they they moved Shuka uh, later that year, or maybe yeah later that year to SeaWorld mm-hmm. San Diego, and so then. They added new dolphin shows, two of them the year after. And then so they kind of, in the beginning, kind of had this balance between, like, so we're going to reinvest in the existing animal kind of aspect right. and then slowly introduce the DC characters. Now it's kind of really moving to the DC um, expansion area, but I think right. they actually saw returns. And that that is mm-hmm. that is the big indicator in, in the current theme park market is if you see a return on an investment. 
I mean, there are parks you that just pushing. build stuff just to keep attendance the same, <clears throat> Kings Island. Right. But then there's properties <laughs> that may actually see a return in, in investment. And I think Discovery mm-hmm. Kingdom saw the marketability behind DC, and I think they just gave it a big push. And then Joker, I don't even think Joker had to happen because Roar was a perfectly fine roller coaster. But then they introduced right, Gold Striker, right. and Roar was, you know, Roar was, in a way, it was no longer, you know, the most exciting wooden coast in Northern California. And so I think that right. was kind of what pushed them over the limit. But yeah, you're right. Unlike Great America, which has seen a lot of infrastructural upgrades over the years, um, mm-hmm. their roster really hasn't grown much. As where Discovery Kingdom's roster just, I mean, boom. My first visit there, they had like half the rides they have now. And it, it just, it's just crazy how much how much they've added. It is crazy. It's very crazy. I mean, it's just, and the, the rapid expansion, the amount of money that Six Flags. I mean, after Great Adventure and after Magic Mountain, I mean, it really is kind of one of the favorites alongside of Fiesta Texas in terms of the amount of money they're putting into it. And Great America, I guess. The Great America's had its... Has its uh, Six Flags Great America is having some weird, as I feel like is in a weird place right now as well. Um, I think that this is the big question, and we'll, we'll probably have to. I don't know. This, this is going to take too long, maybe. But is which which of the two parks is the regional leader now? Um, has Cedar Fair been able to push Great America back up to the status as the regional leader or not? Here's the thing. My <laughs> personal experience. I used to love Six Flags Discovery Kingdom more. Like when I started going to both of them consistently, in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I, Gold Striker was cool, but the rest of the, it was like putting lipstick on a, on a pig. You know, I thought right. Great right, America right, right. was under maintained, it was outdated, it wasn't clean. It's where Discovery Kingdom mm-hmm. was one of few Six Flags parks, no hate on Six Flags, but it's one of few Six Flags parks that's actually yeah. really cohesive. Really and well clean, maintained, yeah. And it looks good. And then Great America, especially in like around 2013, 2014 ish, it was just ugly besides you know the front plaza with gold striker right and top gun was still black and it wasn't until like cedar fair really started putting in the investment and just making great america look presentable first before adding mm-hmm. anything else that the tables started kind of turning and then discovery kingdom started focusing in my opinion too much on just pumping investments into new attractions and like dc making it flashy and colorful to the point where discovery kingdom shouldn't even be the name of the park anymore um, right but then their operations started eating eating shit like discovery yeah, kingdom used yeah. to be like polished and it used to be cohesive and food was great and operations were really good because a few rides they had really had to carry something right and mm-hmm. there were awesome shows because that was still a main draw and now right. i feel like discovery kingdom overcompensated by just like oh going crazy in the dc character with the dc characters and the merchandising and trying so hard to appeal to this like marketability that the other surprise parks have been struggling with for years um, that they lost that operational touch. They lost mm-hmm. that animal touch. I mean, there's been the the Drench Theater, the Toyota the Toyota Stadium, where they've had mm-hmm. like their biggest dolphin show. It's been missing pieces for like several seasons now, and right. it's just you know right. it's become the one of those things where like I'm starting to notice that. And it was the one Six Flags Park in the entire chain that didn't have that problem. Um, right. And now Great America really- is pulling up towards the King's Dominion, King's Island level of like what I mm-hmm. kind of consider the Paramount troop, mm-hmm. where I think right. the Paramount properties and the Cedar Fair chain are all the cleanest that ones. I mean, Canada's one God, land looks yeah, good. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, Carowinds is a really clean park, and Great America is one of the cleaner ones now, too. Now to really clean it up, it, me- it meets the Santa Clara aesthetic, really. Like, it- it's a clean property now. I just love it. it. Does. They went through and they repainted the coasters. Like, do you guys remember 
briefly where right. they, like they repainted t- uh, flight deck red and they were going to rename mm-hmm. it touchdown. Yeah, because it was spawn- yeah, it was coinciding with the 49 It would have been stadium. so cute. And I know. Because it was already red and I was like, oh, they're going to paint it. Yeah, it would have been so cute. Oh, I was excited. Oh, it was so cute. I, I accepted um, that headcanon immediately. Uh, and then they did Patriot, which I love Patriot. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's and so I, cute. It looks yeah. great. It looks great as a blue roller coaster. Yeah. So. They had a great I cleanup. Agree. That's been very gentle to the park. But will I say it's the biggest player in NorCal? I'm actually going to say no. Because at the end of the day, the roster is a little outdated. I mean, if your biggest yep. attraction is a wooden coaster, wooden coasters right. are great. Don't get me wrong. I love wooden coasters, especially GCIs. But the problem here is that like we're looking at the California theme park landscape, and um, there is so much in that landscape that if your biggest mm-hmm. attraction is a GCI wooden coaster, um, I don't think your park necessarily... You say their biggest is Railblazer? No, I don't want to... I mean, Railblazer yeah, I mean, honestly didn't perform the way they expected. Biggest, right, um, it's And a, I, it's still, a, I still think I that, like that right? I mean, I Railblazer is really small compared <laughs> to Gold Striker. Well, the thing with Railblazer is it's too, it's not a large-scale ride. Like, I, I liked it... Um, and, like, before we go into, like, my, my decision is, I will say, when I visited, so I visited my parents for Christmas break when Railblaze was new, and I went to Winterfest. And, like, as someone who, I spent my years in that park from 20, what was it, like, 08 through, like, 11. Like, that was when I was spending the most really time in that time, park, which yeah. were, like, the darkest, like, mm-hmm. the darkest of the darkest age, yeah, right when the Paramount coasters. to Cedar, yeah. the, ha- the Paramount handed over to Cedar fair era you know what i mean and like the 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 investments had stopped and both management was just kind of not caring about the park going to winterfest like i actually got emotional like how well maintained the buildings all were and like how they were repainted the paths had been repaved like it felt like a like a better version of like a memory that i had i don't know it's it's bizarre but like i it, it for me like that was like you could tell Cedar Fair to at least pump some money into the park and was taking care of the park again. Like well, I remember being excited right, about Firefall. <laughs> even in twenty, th- even in twenty thirteen, but my my first visit, I thought the park was so ran down that I was like hands right. down a Discovery Kingdom boy. Um, but I will say that my favorite park in Northern California, that's not the boardwalk, um, you know, right. of, of the two major players right. is Great Forever. America. I just don't think it's the leader because they just haven't I don't quite think so been either. keeping up yeah. um, with their rapid investments. And I think this really, yeah, whether or not I like it or not. It's really very telling because I feel like they're going to. I'm honestly scared. Discovery Kingdom is going to plateau because I think that, like, they've gotten this slew of strong investments, but now, like, they need to fix other things with the park. Harley Quinn's free train or whatever it's called is, like, really complicated (laughs) and crappy. And like, yeah, but you got to remember that. Well, they, they're still going to get um, Safari so Sidewinder next year. So they're um, getting it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, been, I mean, it's just, it was just delay manufacturing, um, which is what, what stopped it. Uh, so Fiesta Texas was supposed to get a kiddie coaster, one of those uh, double figure eight ones like Cobra at Discovery Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it was there and it was on the park map and it was there out in pieces. And it never opened. Well, it got yeah, but else. yeah. Well, with that statement, I mean, Mr. Six was yeah, Mr. Mr. Six's yeah. dance ghosts are set next to Deja Vu and still yeah. got built in different, yeah. different places in the park. So yeah. everything's all I'm right. saying is that this Sierra Mist or whatever it's called, the Sidewinder thingy, is not gonna. It's not there until it's there. Okay. Well, from we'll what I've heard from within <laughs> the marketing team from Discovery Kingdom, it is definitely still on schedule. It's just a delay because of COVID in Italy, where the ride is being manufactured. Mm-hmm. So, with all kinds of purposes, the ride will that. be That's added. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I that mean, they... and, sorry I was going to say now the, the question is if Great America was supposed to get the hyper everyone talks about the Great America hyper mm-hmm. that's obviously no longer a reality um, what do you think and I guess this goes to our really like our last big topic is what do you think the future holds for both the parks so we have 
Sidewinder Safari, Sierra Sidewinder, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we know that's what's next for Sierra Miss the Ride. Yeah. We know that's what's next for Discovery Kingdom. What's next for Great America? Well, real quick, before we move over to what's next for Great America, I do want to say Sorry. that once because Safari Sidewinder is like on the, on the near horizon. What I think for the, the long shot for Discovery Kingdom is, I think the Discovery Kingdom is going, going through an identity change. Parks do that once in a while, right? Yep. Where like, they kind of flip the switch and like yep. we're going to do this now. I think Discovery Kingdom took these years to really figure out what is their best fit. Thrill direction, family direction. I'm hearing family is really what the park ends up being, you know, because no, all the animals and stuff. So I think that they just got new lion cubs last year. I think the direction really is going to mm-hmm. shift back to their original identity. But I think they had to have that marketing push to push them just a little bit ahead to have the DC ride, to have Batman, to have Superman, to have Joker. Mm-hmm. Those are three incredibly strong players that kind of like – and the Flash. They're in like the, one of the only you know, parks that has a Flash mm-hmm. ride, and it's, it's a marquee. It's one of those things where, like, they mm-hmm. had to build a little bit of a stronger foundation because Zeus, as we all know, Zeus and Marine Parks went through an incredibly rough patch around Blackfish, mm-hmm. and I think that's what pushed them to put in a bit of a foundation rides, yeah. in, like, the throw rides and the DC aspect of things, and I think mm-hmm. that they are keeping that as is, and I think they're going to go back now to, you know, Zeus are getting more respect now, and I think they're going to clean up that aspect, and I think their future is laid out for them. They have a really strong foundation, a much stronger ride lineup, I think, than any other park in the region. And I think now mm-hmm. they're going to go back to cleaning it up and making the zoo look nice and having that safari sidewinder as, like, the mm-hmm. new zoo mm-hmm. relaunch, right? That's right, what I right. think Great America, I mean, the Discard Kingdom is doing. Great America, on the other hand, is a bit of a scarier story. Absolutely. Because um, their water park expansion looks cute. Yeah, but it looks very... It Why looks wasn't cute, it named but... Yankee Harbor? That's all yeah, I have to I say. They could have just named it Yankee Harbor. It would have been so cute. I know. God damn it. Sorry. Good I, Things so I mean, short. we got Carolina Harbor and Cedar Point Shores. Why did we not get Yankee? I don't know. They just don't care. Because South Bay Shores I'm makes, so angry yeah. about it. I guess it would have sense. redeemed that damn that damn addition so hard because we finally returned... Uh, anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that water park has always sucked forever, so it's kind of nice to forever see them, like, ever. finish yeah. like, flesh Which was worse, stealth or that? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true, 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 true. You should have seen me when I was 12 years old trying to wrap my head around the fact that stealth was going to Carowinds. We had already left. We had already moved to Nashville. Um, the I main never, reason stealth went... I was not there for Grease Lightning's departure. Thank God, because I, I, my heart would have... I just been. think that stealth had built such a bad reputation that the word stealth is, was a sour yeah. taste. Well, I think and they could just remarket it with they a big like, Star Trek IP somewhere down the road, not to figure like it out. Capacity was going to be a huge problem that they did not mm-hmm. see. I mean, even... So, like, the, 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 the two um, premier parks, Flying Dutchman, Six Flags Americas and Jocko Lakes... Those were Paramount contracts that Paramount mm-hmm. sold uh, while they yep. were being developed because they were so unhappy with stealth. And even though those solved some problems, they definitely huge improvement on the ride layout, huge improvement on capacity with like the multiple stations and stuff. They they found out very quickly that like stealth was not going to work for a park that they really wanted to squeeze as much capacity out of as possible. Right, like, right, Vertigo right, right. was already kind of a mistake for any park that was, like, capacity, 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 because that ride was in- inconsistent, and it, it it's a mm-hmm. one-train coaster. God, so. on their early mm-hmm. developments, like, I don't can't believe they didn't do station roofs. That's my biggest pet peeve at the park for always. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I don't my, understand my why memory, station roofs were, like, not a thing for biggest, that park only. My biggest memory... Well, Stealth it had just a station is. roof, but not a break run roof. And I remember my eyeballs getting sunburned waiting for Hotbox the train to sun. dispatch. <laughs> 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 great America. Yeah. It is a great America thing. Though I will say, I think that 
um, like the demon at Gurney also doesn't have a station group, so I don't know if that was just yeah. a... The legacy, started, the legacy, the legacy of Marriott, and then and, like, uh, the Wizard has not a roof. The Wizard has no nope. roof in Santa It's Ara. legacy of Marriott right there. Um, but Grease um, Lightning did have a loop, or it had a roof. roof a yeah, loop. tidal wave had a roof. Yeah. And um, a roof. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and the, You're good. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, just. I think for Great America, um, it's kind of like the opposite yeah. of Discovery Kingdom. It's like, so they have that, like, really clean, polished aesthetic now. With the water park open, the last eyesore is gone. Um, they mm-hmm. have a product that they can sell. It's the clean product. Like, someone will come and be like, oh, this is this is a nice park. But now I think they're going to have to switch into the marketability thing where, like, they're going to have to add things that are really going to pull people in to see how nice yes, it is now. Because I'm sure there's people that think of the park but still think of it as like the ugly days mm-hmm. and that, that's oh, yeah. like, that's the hardest thing about like cleaning yourself up you gotta get those people back in for them to believe it first she can tell them it's nice you can tell Absolutely. them it's cool but they're not gonna come because they still have that idea of how bad it is right mm-hmm. and so for them 100%. for them they're gonna have to pull people in and I think they're doing a good job with Winterfest it's a really strong competitor to Six Flags it's really good holiday in the park events like I'll get that to Six Flags they mm-hmm. have good holiday events and then haunts, they have a good haunt event. It really helps that they get mm-hmm. the, the not scare farms things passed to them, you know, like it runs at knots and it comes mm-hmm. to haunts. So they always have high quality stuff. So I think for them, the focus really needs to be that bringing in the single day ticket holder, you know, the high profit margin mm-hmm. with the special yep. events, which they do for Winterfest and for haunt, and use that revenue now to pump in marketable attractions to bring in the day-to-day guests, the season pass holder in a mm. really scary market. And you have to think about like the people who live there have money in the immediate area. Yeah. The Silicon and Valley those is people crazy. can easily go and stay at the grand Californian for their weekend, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and fly down to SoCal. Like the, 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 I know people who do that, who live in Silicon Valley, who right. fly down for the weekend Tons. to stay at the grand, yeah. you know, grand Californian. So they have to, they have that status now. They look clean. They definitely look Silicon Valley ready, but now they really got to bring those people back in. And I think that's the, that's the biggest obstacle because you got to make the money to, you know, to put in expensive expansions. So I think that's they the do. biggest problem. I keep asking myself what's going to happen to Grizzly because I just, that ride has been on life I've seen the RMC so plans, long. but given well, the yeah, lack of performance, are, I don't think it's going to happen. Railblazer and we have Joker. Not far. And it's this sounds bad. I've never liked RMC Grizzly, even like in the early days when people yeah. talked about it. I thought it was silly. It just, if anything, give it a GCI retrack and give us a classic Woody yeah. and then a Twister Woody. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I'm, I'm, maybe gonna, I'm just I sick just of RMC. I don't know. Because they're going to demolish that. I think you're right. Demolish. Barney Oldfield Speedway is not quite the same. As That's the, a good they, plot for They took one of the tracks out. No ride. So this giant right. concrete pad, right. and you're only driving on the right side of it. I'm like, oh, this poor ride. Like, both of those rides. It's just, true. I think both of those rides just need to be put out of their misery. And they need to yeah, at the same out. time, that park's balance of rides, I think, will be really incomplete without Grizzly. Because as of right now, if you look at kind of what they've got, yeah, they have kind of these two categories. It's like... The sort of big, but not big in the world world class status, mm-hmm. you know, like Top Gun and or Flight Deck mm-hmm. and Patriot mm-hmm. and Gold Track. I kind of consider them one level, and even Roll Blazer, they're mm-hmm. lumped together. And then you have like mm-hmm. the family rides, and I think right. Grizzly is kind of like in between that. Too much, I think to be considered like a family ride, but yeah, yeah I, I guess think, it's true. Right. I think I suspect that assuming Great America will continue to operate, uh, and I think exists, they're just. Right. I don't think they're going to RMC 
Grizzly anymore. I don't think there's a shot. I think they're just going to demolish it. I think the whole thing is going to get... I think they're going to go with low-budget, high-marketability, like a brand-new water park that costs the same mm-hmm. as a flat ride. Yeah. But it's right. just, you know, but it's right. six new slides and a new water park right. advertising. Right. Some sort of family coaster is going to replace Grizzly, I think. And it's going to be from the ground up. It's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be a wooden coaster. I don't think it's going to be anything that remotely resembles what has been there. Um, and they better put a nice flat ride where the rest of Invertigo's plot was, because I know that, that like, Railblazer occupied mm-hmm. part of Invertigo's part of plot it. and also part of the uh, Flight Commander plot. Right. Um, but I think we need another flat ride in that in that circle, the Invertigarden. Yeah. Um, the the triple the triple wheel garden originally. Yeah, triple, yeah that's right. Classic. Um, I think bring back the triple wheel. Um, I think that so so going back to like where what's CG what is California's Great America's Future like what are the rumors? Um, I don't know if our readers are familiar with the rumors. Uh, if so you guys want to go over rumors, are not holding a lot of ground, but I do see people coming okay. from. So Cedar Fair purchased all the land to California's Great America. Right. They released a 10-year right. plan, very ambitious, to convince the city, including, like, a relocation of Wist- a twist- Wicked Twister. Or a new one from Chongqing. But I could yeah. imagine. I don't think Cedar Fair wants to put that much money into it. And then um, I could – and then, you know, there's a couple other big attractions that they mentioned, like Hypercoaster, which is pretty much off the table. Even though it, they were very serious about it. We were told in confidence it, it looks like at it. one point that yeah. they were definitely going to add that raft to the water park. But I guess – it is not happening anymore, yeah. and, well, and especially in this not, market. Did not so scales for them. The rumor is that Cedar Fair may sell off the park back to the city for like redevelopment of the land. Now, a few things why I don't really think that would happen is first of all, they just built a giant, giant modern stadium in like 2014, right, right on that right. same land. So, like, is the city of Santa Cruz right. really going to demolish one of the country's biggest stadiums? Right at like you know six years after this build just because COVID, I doubt it. See if our owns that land now. They worked so hard to own it. Are they really going to give it up that quickly? Yes, it'll be a nice amount of cash. That you know, especially it's helpful mm-hmm. after your parks have been down for a year. But mm-hmm. I just don't know. That's a pretty short-sighted decision, right? And I they agree. put so much money into the park, even through COVID nineteen, like through the closure, they have been actually mm-hmm. repainting, redeveloping things in the park. Yeah, they Most parks don't even do that during the pandemic. Right. So cute. Like so cute. Yeah, so it's, it's the park looks better than it ever has. Maybe better than it even looked when it opened, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, it is a pleasant yeah, park. I agree. It is, they think Cedar Fair's cleanest park. I almost. think the people, uh, people sleep on Great America's landscaping. Like, the original it's Marriott design is strong. It's super clean. It's very yeah, pretty. The like, use of water and, like, the Whitewater bridges Falls, to, like, transition like, areas. The, the gardening around Whitewater Falls I is love that. stunning. Love no, that. I've been at a park so on cute. base where it's semi-busy and I don't quite feel like waiting for stuff. And I generally just enjoy being there and being on the sky ride 10 yeah, times a day. Like, I do like being there. Yes. And California weather is great. So, like, it's always nice out. The sun's mm-hmm. always shining. And the park is beautifully landscaped. And they worked really hard towards getting there. Because if you guys haven't been and or, if, or you've been after all the new stuff, guys, if you're listening, I can't you know, it was it was a really, really rundown place. Like, I really thought it was – I mean, I, I can't you know, I was riding Grizzly in 2014. I stood on the stairs to the station. I looked at the little control booth under the station. There was a Paramount ticket. There was a Paramount season pass still laying there. Right. People hadn't been under the station cleaning. Literally in like 
eight years. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. no, <laughs> it was absolutely. not cool. And so I mean, even in the 90s, they really cleaned up their acts. To look at like it wasn't that wasn't really what. It yeah, the aesthetic in the nineties was definitely yeah. kind of like gray everywhere. <laughs> like, and Virgo but, was not pretty. Stealth was. But neither was Magic yeah, Mountain. Magic it was, was the like Paramount. The, the Paramount aesthetic. Yeah. Um, it was kind of more about just building stuff that was interesting. But now it's like, oh right. well, we want to build something that pass holders will want to hang out at, even if they're not writing anything. Um. So yeah, um, on, I just don't think the rumors are don't really, really hold that hold that much ground. If you saw us post about it, I, I mean, it's social media. We post everything we see, just you know, <laughs> just for clout. it's discussion, I mean, it's engagement, it's like just for clout. Like, but I really don't okay. think it's I know gonna you go do. Anywhere. I know you do. <laughs> I love my memes. <laughs> um, I think one last thing we forgot to mention is Gower Gardens and where that fits into uh, this. And I think Gower Gardens is such a funny little park, and Gower I Gardens described it in the favorite. article I wrote. I love it as there. like. The only like truly European style park in America. Yeah, yeah. Like, talk about it is all about the gardens. God, yeah. All about the cutesy little rides and um, and own and uh, not owned but operated by Cedar Fair now. Mm-hmm. And I think complements Great America in a kind of cute way. Mm-hmm. And those two definitely share a market versus yeah. the other parks. Um, and I think it's actually really good that Great America operates the park. Um, they don't own it. The city still does. Right. I'm not mistaken. But right. I'm just happy that they operate it because that way they don't cannibalize each other. Mm-hmm. Even though there was not a lot of Correct. cannibalizing to begin with, there wasn't, it's a yeah. small park that's not as easily accessible as Great America is. And, you know, it, it's just dangerous. Small parks, you know, there's not as much of a guarantee unless there's a powerhouse behind it. Like, Correct. Like, Correct. you know, Cedar Fair is a um, really cute park. Where does it fit in in the, in the lineup? I know of people that went from SoCo literally to Norco just to go to Gilbert Gardens and come back, and they're not theme park nerds. Yeah. So I guess there is still well, quite, the some, the it holds quite some ground. are, like, uh, historically iconic absolutely. absolutely and they priceless they are really heavy in the special events department they have a winter event that's really special they have a lunar new year event if i'm not mistaken that's like renowned mm-hmm. so uh, it's a small park great for big company picnics great for a fun day out with with younger kids with a lot of shade which is always Quick nice silver Explor- express slash. super cute right oh, my classic God. mine train yeah oh, and then the first mine train of northern california let's mm-hmm. let's be honest and the only more real deal yeah. Fun fact, um, yeah. when I was a little boy, and we were selling... You're a little our, boy? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot Sorry. of, like, when I was a little boy <laughs> stories about... <laughs> That's this whole episode. That happened, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, we're going to call uh, this Alex's Little Boy Alex Adventure. Little boy, <laughs> <laughs> um, our real estate agents were best friends um, with some people who knew Dana Morgan personally. Um because Dana Morgan's a car guy, and our real estate agent mm-hmm. was is a car guy. Yeah, it was it was actually like our real estate agent's husband. In case you wonder if Dana Morgan liked cars, really if he fun. Did. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> makes uh, sense. And so they were like, well, once they realized that I was like a coaster guy, they were like, okay, so he needs to go visit the plant. I went to the Morgan Manufacturing Plant and got to see all the Bonfante Gardens rides, as it was known at the time, oh, while oh. they were being manufactured. So. Um, I think I got to like sit in the Quicksilver Express ride vehicle, like when it was at the plant and they were, I remember they were telling us about like this enormous roller coaster that they just sent to Japan, which was Steel Dragon 2000, but they they were like, like, oh, it's too bad you weren't here a couple months ago because you would have seen all this, the whole, the whole shop was just floor to ceiling red track for this 8,000 foot coaster we just built for Japan. Wild. Um, which is my favorite Giga, by the way. Uh, Check out our Giga article. Okay. Keep going. 
Um, it's yeah. so crazy that Morgan built that, but yeah. yeah. I Oh, God, that ride is fantastic. Even crazy is when a wheel flew off when it hit someone. So crazy. <laughs> That's yeah, real they, crazy. They someone in the wave pool and they died. So crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine you're minding your damn business in a wave pool and a crystal <laughs> wheel hits you and murders Hashtag you? Hashtag problem. That is, that, that is not Kawhi, just so you know. Yeah. Not, not uh, but yeah, inter- interestingly enough, like so, I saw the Gilbert Gardens rides under construction mm-hmm. um, at the Morgan plant. I love how every ride there is like food. Like there's the artichoke ride and the strawberry oh, the ride, garlic ride and the so mushroom cute. ride and the banana ride. Like <laughs> my favorite thing about that whole park is I love the little parks where like coasters that would literally not have a single line at a big park. Yeah, or like the highlight right. attraction. Yeah. So like, Quicksilver has yes. this giant queue with like ed- educational yeah. plaques and trees and huts and then you get to the station it's like this giant station it's really like a little mine train but it's like you know it carries the parks like you know it's kind of their their big their big thing and i love that interesting it's like so i saw all this stuff under construction i didn't go to gilroy gardens until 2014 that's fine i've been to that probably 12 years after i saw all the rides and like sat in the vehicle being built also i i had been to valley fair by that point and i had my little like my wild thing t-shirt and i was so excited to wear it to show dan and morgan i was like look there's my roller coaster and I met Steve Okamoto too. <laughs> like, oh, was, my heart, my heart. My, as a child, oh. like, <laughs> I, we have all these How, pictures of so us together. Cool. Steve so Okamoto cute. was in the middle of designing the um, the Mexico uh, hypercoaster. Um, hyper, wow! For, for Six Flags. What an icon, though. Yeah, love that ride. Um, so I guess this leads us to our, our, our final question, right? Which is not what is our final question. Well, the final question um, is. Um, it's, it's a fun one because it actually is also the final question of the article that Ian wrote that is coinciding with this podcast episode. And that is, where do you think the Northern California theme parks um, stand within the U.S. theme park market? And we don't answer that in the, ep- in the article, but we do answer it here. So, okay. um, yes. Ian, you're going to be the one answering that first because okay. you probably thought about it more. I'll start it first. I think if we get – if okay – if we get a coaster, if Great America is able to get that headline attraction that it needs, that it really has needed, an attraction that's better than any of the rides in Southern California, that is like yeah, one like of the best, like can, be, can like, stand as one of the best coasters in the state. Yeah, That's what it needs. That would make a difference. As it stands now, I think the the most unique asset of of Northern California remains the boardwalk, yes. mm-hmm. which is funny to say that, but I think that, I, and, and the article I first wrote for you all was not, no, not the first one, but I wrote about basically ranking all the different um, parks in America that I think are essential. I think Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk is the boardwalk park of America. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think that, that even to this day, that is something that I think people should visit the area for. But unless totally. Great America adds that headline coaster, I don't see it really ever becoming a major player. It's so close. That's the thing. All the pieces are there for it to be a pretty significant region. What do you think of the market as a whole? I think that I don't know if Silicon Valley has the taste for for theme parks. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it kind of goes down to my idea of like people who live and work there, they have money and time to play. Just fly down to Disneyland for a weekend and, and do right, an all inclusive right, right, thing, right. you know? So I think it kind of, yeah, I agree. It's with unfortunate, that. but like the population is so wealthy. It, uh, Great American has had to step up its, up its game. I just don't know if it's enough. Um, so I think that the, for me, I think in the, in the American coaster landscape, 
I think Santa Cruz is always going to be a treasure. The Giant Dipper is always going to be a treasure. Um, I think that the other two parks are on shakier ground than um, many of the other regional parks that have seen a resurgence recently. And in like the Cedar Fair parks, we've seen Carowinds and all mm-hmm. those as well. That's fair enough. I think for the market itself, um, on, a, on a scale of the U.S., of course, Central Florida, Southern California right, are, right. are the biggest markets. And then you have the little Pennsylvania tri-state area where you have like Hershey, Dorney, uh, Great Adventure, right. American Dream, they're all really close. So that is a pretty solid market. Now, where does Nor- Northern California comes in? I do think Northern California has one of the most varied markets for the few attractions it has. I mean, the boardwalk... Gilbert Gardens, Great America, That's and true. That's Kingdom true. In terms of variety, completely differently. If you want to see dolphin shamba yeah. water, or you want to be in one of the oldest wooden boats on Earth, it is similar. all within a few hours. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, so, but but when it comes to like where it stands, if your if your region's biggest coaster is still a two thousand, um, Florida. Florida's coaster, in 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 the U.S. In the U.S. market, we always look at roller coasters and record breakers. And though I don't agree with that right. on a personal level, it is what we look at. And I want to stick with that in, in this in this conversation too. That's where uh, Medusa, I love you, and but you're still and you're still NorCal's biggest thing. And but it's also it's been twenty true. years. And I think that you can pump as many colors and IPs into your parks that you want. But are you going to be on the map for the coast enthusiasts that all have to fly to you because you're so removed from the rest of the markets? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Unfortunately, I agree. Unfortunately, like I said, I think if there was a headline that could bring people to the region, like a fury, it would be different. But there's just not. Yeah. Um, there's just, yeah. And I don't think it's going there's to just, I don't think, I don't think I, so I don't either. Think I don't think so either. Especially not because a lot of a lot of regions are removed enough from other clusters that like whatever one park does will be com- competitive in the, in the region. But then they have kind of, uh, you know, you have California where like, okay, so like Great America built a really big roller coaster, right? Great. They, they want up Discovery Kingdom. But just down the street, you know, a couple hours driving, you still have the roller coaster capital of the world, arguably. Right. Magic Mountain, right? Right, With Magic Mountain, Stellar right. lineup, Knott's Bear Farm, super, super, super strong gate. And of course, right. you know, the Universal Disney right. SeaWorld. So even if the Northern California parks were to add something super major, and I think that's why they haven't. I think that's why their last big things were yeah. in the no, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, is because at the end of the day, you still compete. The world is more connected than ever. Mm. You can hop on a mm-hmm. super cheap flight between the two cities or between the two regions. You can drive down a couple hours. There's just no need for them to add something really large because at the end of the day, they just can't compete with you know Disney and stuff down there. I think. And the and and it's the, really the West Coast kind of dichotomy. People don't realize how spread out it is. Like for us, like on the East Coast and even in Florida, like we can drive to so many different parks and it's so different. And there's more fluidity in the markets. Like there, it's it's just different. Like yeah, in they terms only of the they really they only feed from the West Coast. Like people right. from like Oregon and Washington will come down. But other than that, it's a self-contained market. Yeah. And if markets don't really bleed, you know, there's no people coming in from any. I mean, these are right. deserts, guys. Like besides the big cities in California and in Oregon and Washington, there really isn't much in that side of the country. No. no and no, if people are going to travel all the way east, uh, all the way west, they're not going to travel to Great America or Discovery Kingdom. It's really more no. of a. It, it, at the end of the day, it's purely a regional park. Um, you know, they're not destination parks. And I think that's why they they will never quite shine as large as the other markets in the U.S. But having mm-hmm. said that, I do think it's you know kind of like SoCo, one of the most diverse. They they do deserve to be mentioned. Among with Central Florida, um, I think Central Florida, Southern California, Northern California, those two markets are the three most diverse um, because they have that animal aspect and the marine aspect Absolutely. that a lot of other regions don't have. Absolutely. So. 
That is my final your, opinion. What about your I love state? it. It's very good. Do you oh, have anything to add to that? I just I I just can't stop thinking about like where Great America is gonna go from here because it's just funny how I mean I guess with Discovery Kingdom you could ask yourself, but I don't care as much. Like yeah, but Discovery Kingdom is also I, on I, is also on Fayetteville. Yeah. Like I'm right there with you, but I, I don't know why. Is, has will always give me a reason to care, and Discovery Kingdom will always give me a reason to. Be Discovery Kingdom will never Six Flags. Discovery <laughs> Kingdom will never the truth, have the, the fear truth. of like yeah. at least for the next 25 years of like big tech companies coming in to swallow the land, yeah. and I think it's always and kind then, of been again, the I'm theme. Like, I can literally, down south. As, as long as the boardwalk is open, I could live with anything. A meteor could hit Great America, and as long as the boardwalk <laughs> is fine, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Great America. It's, it's, I can live with. I could live with it. Like I really, anything could happen to Great America, and I could live with it as long as the board. I wonder what the structural integrity of your beloved giant dipper is. If a meteor <laughs> hits Great America, <laughs> that's a different story. So that's, that's a different <laughs> hypothetical. Absolutely. I mean the the Santa Cruz giant dipper did a lot better in our you know earthquakes of the last. It did. 35 years. It did a lot better than Cyclone did at Magic Mountain. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> that's Cyclone, though. Sad. That's a whole special craze. The that is a whole episode, episode just yeah. about the Cyclone. Yeah. But I do think that, um, I, I think the treasure remains, like I said, Santa Cruz. Yeah. And I think that, I, I personally think we need to hype up Santa Cruz as a destination more. Um, as someone Cruz. from Northern California, mm-hmm. I think it's an experience that yeah. everyone needs to have. It's super yeah. like coaster. It is West Coast I, I to the max, seeing, like, honestly. Who've been on the East Coast their entire lives. Like that CoasterCon in 2014 was so fun because it was a lot of people who had never been to Santa Cruz, and they went they went to the boardwalk and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like they cannot believe. I mean, they can absolutely. When I say themselves. I miss like West Coast, which I do miss West Coast, like we talk about mm-hmm. it quite a bit personally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the sort of thing I miss. I feel like that color, the California vibe. It is just, it is honestly a bit of a different vibe. And Santa Cruz really encompasses the vibe everyone always talks about, you know, yeah, like the, the West Coast, Best Coast, California yeah. thing. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz is the epicenter, like my, San Diego, you know, Santa Cruz, I yeah, San Diego, um, absolutely, Venice, Santa Monica, like it's. It's just different, and um, but when it comes to the parks, the, the park that captures that is Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Totally, that, like, it just lives. The that. best compliment you can get from like an Easterner about the boardwalk is I, I walk. I heard it all day. They're like, "Oh my god, it reminds me of Knobles, but it's a boardwalk." Or like, "Oh mm-hmm. my god, this reminds me of when Indiana Beach was good." Or like, <laughs> right. "Wow, I mean, oh. can we like never mention those two in the same sentence Beach again?" Is oh. awesome now again, but it was really bad for a really long time. So. Yeah, right. Or they're right, like, right. "Oh my god, this is like this is." the Coney Island that my grandparents went to, like, right, uh, right. All, like all of these, all of the superlative language. And then there was a lot of naysayers who thought they hated Morgan trains. And then they rode the giant dipper and they ate so much crow because the giant dipper kicks ass. And I, the, the Morgan trains do not make or break that ride. Yeah. It does not see that ride. Yeah. Um, At all. Absolutely. And there's other coasters that the Morgan trains run really well on. Uh, Colossus run well. The Jackrabbit at Seabreeze is lit. So not enough people have been there, I guess. But it's like, I don't want to hear you say that Morgan trains are crap when, like, the Dragon Coaster in in Ride Mm -hmm. Playland and the Jackrabbit, the Giant Dippers, like, these are priceless roller coasters that are 100 years old. And they exist because Morgan built plastic roller coaster trains in the 70s and just thought like why not like okay this seems like before that they were building roller coaster trains out of like 
copper pipes and spare lumber. Like that was just Yeah, do you think your PTC tears of the track? <laughs> Thank you guys. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean there were there was definitely PTCs being used too, but like the giant dippers originally yeah. those Frank Pryor Frederick Church um trains that like the giant dipper was running. Literally like di- like literally <laughs> pipe. Literally pipe. Seat, like twelve yeah. passengers and they would carry so much weight and it's like they would crash right through the right. Uh, the bottoms of the drops. So like the plastic trains were integral to like not only for maintaining the ride, but they were like, well, let's get 24 people or 20 people right. for dispatch on this coaster by um, reducing the actual weight of the trains. So I, for me, I, growing up on the West Coast and loving roller coasters is to appreciate what Morgan has done for the entire region, whether it's saving the dipper coasters or giving us the, the pretty much the bread and butter of the Gilroy Gardens, like the business end of the Gilroy Gardens right, operation. Right, right, Everything right. except the trees and the dirt is Morgan, you know, at, at Gilroy right. Gardens. So, and, and then, with and, that, and Arrow, of course, too. <laughs> and with that, um, you know, with the last shout out to the Northern Californian manufacturers, we're going to end this Northern Californian episode. Uh, to make us take a record again for longest episode in the history yeah. of the podcast. I'm so sorry. No, I'm so no, sorry. I actually kind yeah. of enjoyed this. Um, I. We have actually not done a California-specific episode yet, so I really, yeah. really enjoyed that. And I think it's kind of fun going back to our roots because we did start as California Coaster Kings. Um, so for all of our longtime followers who are seven years in with us, uh, this one is for you. Uh, thank you, Ian, for instigating or uh, starting that with your mm-hmm. article. Um, before we uh, before we end the recording, we're going to just do um, a quick runover of some recent things we've got that may interest you. We have a bunch of new episodes. In fact, we've been releasing new Coast of Kings Radio episodes every single week of the last two months. By the time you hear this, I think there'll be um, how, many, how many new episodes of the season? Like at least 15, I think, yeah. by the end of the season. Yeah. So quite some episodes, uh, awesome articles. We launched web shops. In fact, we have a U.S. web shop. And we also added a European web shop because of shipping costs. So now you don't have to worry <laughs> about high shipping costs or weird European import and you know, taxes and stuff. So that's awesome. Check that out. And then... Um, of course, check out the Northern Californian article from Ian if you want to kind of look back and not be important confused with all of our rumble article. and yelling about Absolutely. stealth. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> check that out. And then, of course, if you have any questions or have any topics that you want to communicate with us for future podcast episodes, reach out to us um, by email, social media channels, anything like that. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. So thank you, Ian, for joining us. Uh, this no, really thank fun. you all. I look forward to doing very another fun. one. Maybe I look over. forward to talking to you all again soon. Maybe we just do a whole episode on Flying Dutchman. That yeah. would be interesting. Uh, you know, I would love to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, Ian. Bye, Ian. Bye. <laughs>